0: Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not
1: alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself, I've created some
0: free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder. That's fit period responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast.
1: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a crown vic. Oh hey there. Now joining the podcast from the land of the X's. I have the one-man wolf pack. How are you, buddy?
0: Doing good, Lloyd. How are you doing today?
1: Thanks for getting my fucking name right. Everybody still calls me Lenny, and I get triggered by that. You Although know, Lenny and...
0: just kind of rolls off the tongue a little better. I don't know why. It just kind of sticks there. But, you know, I got respect for you, brother. So
1: Thanks, brother. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What should my name be next season? We're getting close. We're getting dangerously close to the next season. I got to start thinking of a name. I mean... I mean, that's not a gag I do or anything like that at all. It's, you know, I thought about bringing back Larry or Lenny. Lenny seemed to be the most popular host so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If there's any other L names we can think of, that would work too.
1: We'll see what happens. Maybe, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We got time. We got some time. I'm sure there's more L names. Well, enough about the letter L because this isn't Sesame Street. I assume since it's 10 in the morning, You are not having anything to drink?
0: Uh, I'm having coffee. That is correct, sir. Yeah, I got to work later today, and I don't think they'd appreciate me showing up with a little alcohol in my system. So we're going with coffee today.
1: It's hard to hire people right now, so you could probably get away with anything. So go to work drunk. Be a man.
0: That's kind of true. That's kind of true. Yeah, I should just balls up and do that sometime.
1: I also have coffee and uh and water and i'm kind of losing my voice a little bit so you may have to just do the show later but we'll see what happens sounds good man if it was the right time of day what is your drink of choice Ooh, that's a good question
0: so my beer of choice tends to be either a stout or a porter um and then if i'm going with some sort of hard alcohol i tend i i'm weird i like tequila i don't know what the deal is but i i love tequila
1: well you know what they say about tequila
0: Oh yes. Yes, I do. Make,
1: it makes <laughs> her clothes fall off. You can't go wrong with that. It's very true. It's very true. God, I wonder if that song would be considered date rapey now. It might Yeah, that's
0: it it probably would be actually because it can you know, everything can offend everybody at some point. So I'm sure that there's someone out there that would have an issue with it.
1: Everything is offensive. I just heard the other day that the the family, the core family, a mom, a dad. And kiddos, that's racist now. Did you know that?
0: Are you serious? No, that's the
1: first time hearing that. Well, I'm sure it'll be the next new thing is families are racist and all the woke people will start getting divorced so they can fall in line, but we're not <laughs> gonna do that podcast because we're not that's not what we do here most of the time. Let's talk about you, good sir. By the way, I was gonna make fun of you. You said a porter or a stout, right? Uh huh. Most good hillbillies would just say, Oh, I like bush light or I like whatever. You know, you're bougie if you like name the type of beer. I couldn't tell you, you know, what bush light is,
0: dude. You know, I am a horrible Texan that way. I don't like wearing cowboy boots. I wear Chuck Taylor's. I like my Porters and my Stouts. I like my ball cap backwards. I'm, yeah, I'm a horrible Texan. I really am. <laughs> what in tarnation? Nation? <laughs> yep. And I okay. Here's the big one. You want to hear the big one? I don't like. That's what she music. said.
1: What? Oh, dude. Yeah. You were no, dude. No country,
0: <laughs> huh? What are you into? <laughs> nah, man. I'm a Pantera, bro. That's it. All They're, right, I'm okay. From Texas. So
1: you know that's all is forgiven. All is forgiven. That's Dime good. forgives you. Benny Paul forgives you. It's okay. They're resting comfortably, knowing that you. fellow Texan are into Pantera so we're okay we're square you should like country but I'll let it go for that reason that specific reason man I haven't thought about Pantera in a long time now you get me all excited you know what people have made Pantera racist I see like Pantera videos and people are like well that band's racist and I'm like are they though
0: yeah no that was because Uh, the the lead singer Phil Anselmo he like said some stupid like racist shit a couple years ago, like at the end of like one of his concerts that he was with his other band down or something like that. He like did the whole like white power thing or something like that. So
1: mm. yeah, Phil, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I don't like Phil. I think he's a big douche.
0: Yeah. He's, he's got his issues. That's for sure. So, his only Phil, redeeming quality is that there's Pantera.
1: Yeah. Phil is like, not that Lars is as bad as Phil. Every band head kind of has their guy. That, yeah. like, everybody's like, eh. And, like, Lars is that in Metallica. Phil is that in Pantera, which I'm losing half the audience because they're like, we don't care. But <laughs> let's talk about you, good sir. Why did you get into law enforcement?
0: Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, the the short of it is I felt it was the best way that I could serve my country by serving in my community and serving, like, at the most local level possible. Uh, so law enforcement was the route. I... It's kind of funny, like, I didn't really plan on doing that as a kid, and I actually kind of, like, didn't like the cops when I was a young teenager either, you know, because I was a normal kid and thought that they were all about, you know, hanging up fun and all that, but um as I got older, through some other circumstances that kind of happened, I was just like, "Yeah, shit, I'll just, I should be a cop, That I'll go that route.
1: Was there anybody in your life, like, a cop or, I guess, an influence on you that kind of pointed you to that direction, or just... That was the thing that was going to work best for you.
0: No, honestly, honestly, it was just a uh, you know, I just I don't, I don't know. Yeah, nobody in my family has ever been a cop or anything like that. It's it's kind of funny. my My grandpa actually was uh, the guy that would always fight the, the cops. Like <laughs> my, my dad told me this story when he was a kid this one time where there was like I guess a warrant out for his arrest or something like that. You know, back in the the seventies late seventies or something like that. You know, he's sitting on his front porch and five cops show up and then they, you know, all kind of saunter up to him. see And he's sitting there smoking on the porch and they're like, all right, Vern, we, we got to take you in. And he like slowly stands up, tosses a cigarette and is like, well, come get me then. <laughs> and then fights them all right there in front of my dad.
1: <laughs> I, I assume that didn't probably work out too well for him. It, it did not. No, no.
0: He still went to jail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What is your what is do you know what your grandfather thinks of you being a cop?
0: Uh he passed away in the early two thousands long before I became a cop. So don't don't have any clue. But my dad said that, you know, he would have he would have nicknamed me sheriff and you know, it's all about family with them, so you know, it, it doesn't matter one way or the other who's doing what. Just, you know, that family's really, really tight. So
1: when you messaged me, you've kind of had a, a really, really unique career, I guess, kind of run us through the numbers and we'll go back down and kind of break down all your experience. But how long have you been a cop for?
0: Oh, I've been a cop for about 11 years, and that's because I had a a couple breaks in between. So I went to my first police academy in 2009, um, started in the jail at a local sheriff's office um, right after that in 2010. Actually, I went through another police academy in 2010. That's kind of an interesting story as well. So the first police academy I went to was a non-certified police academy. Basically, it was a part of a different organization, a disaster relief organization. And as one of their like vocational options, they had a police academy. And I went to that one because they had a really heavy emphasis on uh, basically just street tactics and street smarts and focusing on that, which I knew that one of our academies in the local area didn't do. And I was correct because then when I went to that one, it was one of those college-based ones. And um, yeah, they they didn't even run us through how to do a traffic stop at that one. It was, it was kind of an interesting academy. Um, but anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself there. But right after that, I got onto the sheriff's office working in the jail. Worked there for a little over a year. Uh, wasn't going to get the opportunity to go out on the street. So left there for about a year. Then I got on at a small five man agency in the area, worked patrol there for several years, uh, wanted to go to a larger agency. That was kind of always the goal. Uh, so I ended up going to the Metro Nashville Police Department in Tennessee, uh, went there because my my wife's family was from up in that direction. I worked there for several years, a whole bunch of stuff happened there that I was just like, you know, I do, do not want to spend the next 20 years of my life at this agency so left came back to that small department in texas um, worked there for several more years while working there um, i also got uh, dual commissioned as the constable for my area Um, worked that um, for a little while i didn't end up winning the election after i was appointed so finished up my time there um still working for that small agency got a little burned out. So got out and got into contracting doing bomb disposal. Uh, while doing that, I realized that I'm not ready to hang up the badge yet. So went back to that small agency and then uh, got out in a midsize agency. And been working for that midsize agency for the
1: last year. So you've really done quite a bit of uh bouncing around, but I wanted to talk about the constable thing. Cause I don't, I don't think that's a thing other places, maybe just in Texas. Is that, kind of like a sheriff what the hell is that
0: yeah it's it's more popular down south um so the constable i guess we're kind of going into the history over here so the constables actually was the first form of law enforcement in texas um the sheriff all the sheriff did back in the day uh was run the jail and then the constable is the one that was at the actual like chief law law enforcement officer for that county so every county is split up into several precincts. For example, the county that I live in has four precincts. And in each of those precincts, there's a constable. Nowadays, their primary job is to execute the civil process of the justice of the peace court, which is your preliminary magistrate. That's the one that everybody that goes to jail has to see the justice of the peace and you know the justice of the peace reviews if there's probable cause and all that. Um, so... The main thing that they do nowadays is they're executing the civil and criminal process of the Justice of the Peace Corps, and they do a lot of the small claims, the evictions, and all that. But in Texas, they're considered full-blown law enforcement, basically, kind of at the same level as a sheriff, uh, just different duties. So, yeah, fun random fact, too, is that the, the very first Texas Rangers that were ever commissioned, they were uh, nine constables that were commissioned as a task force uh, to be the Texas Rangers.
1: No shit. I mean, mm. it, it sounds like, and this is just my Colorado law enforcement brain, it just seems like the sheriff's department with extra steps. Because a lot of the kind sheriff's of, departments yeah. here have the civil side, or rather in Colorado would have the civil side, and then they also have the law enforcement side. So like a sheriff mm-hmm. would oversee the jail, and then the civil side, and then the, you know, the patrol guys and everything else that went with it, where I think Texas kind of breaks it up quite a bit more
0: yeah they absolutely do yeah and and i mean the sheriff's office still executes a lot of the civil process on their side of things as well um so yeah there is a little bit of double dipping going on there for sure um i think it's more a traditional thing uh because your generational texans especially where i'm at you know i'm out in the country and all that kind of stuff they are very very big into their their constable um i didn't realize like how you know, integral the constable is considered, you know, in just Texas culture until obviously I got into it. It was actually a really, really enjoyable experience because of that. It just had that real old timey law enforcement kind of feel to it. You know, I'd have people calling me about a little bit of everything, you know, that they would normally call, you know, just your sheriff's office about. I mean, I have people calling me like, Hey, someone just stole my mower out of my front yard. I was watching them from across the street kind of thing. It was, it was a very interesting experience for sure.
1: I know, Colorado had like two or three departments that I can think of that had constables but I don't really know if it just they called themselves constables but they were just cops or what the special details was so if anybody any of these five people in Colorado wants to come on the podcast that'd be really interesting so you said like the first academy you went to was kind of a weird deal you want to explain that a little bit more
0: yeah, so like I said, that one was a part of a disaster relief organization It had kind of a military style structure and feel to it. You did nine weeks of a military style basic training course, and then after that, everybody did something called emergency response training, which that was your general like uh, first responder rescue kind of training. Like everybody there did basic structural firefighting, high angle rescue, um, like urban search and rescue um special response diver underwater um recovery and all that kind of stuff. And then after that you could pick like, I guess if you're equating it to the military, like an MOS kind of thing, an occupational specialty of some kind that you could go to school for. And they had uh paramedic, EMT, firefighter, and all that stuff is uh, you know, nationally accredited and whatnot. And then they had a law enforcement academy as well. That one wasn't accredited because a lot of the guys that were going through were under uh, 21 years of age which is kind of the go-to age for most law enforcement academies and whatnot so they couldn't be certified because of that and then there are some other reasons they didn't want to go that full route but basically it was a full-blown law enforcement academy put on uh, head up by a former law enforcement guy from michigan and he focused a ton on the street tactics because no one was actually getting certified we didn't really you know, we went through the whole penal code and stuff like that, Texas, but he didn't really emphasize it as much and was focusing more on street tactics, officer safety, um, a lot of the other stuff that kind of gets lost in the wayside in a police academy. When I went through, we had, uh, we had some people from Minnesota. We had some people from Maine. We had a guy from Canada that actually went through. Um, and in our group, most of us went on to law enforcement. Um, when it was all said and done, three of us ended up being cops here in Texas and one got on as a RCMP, no, the Canadian guy, actually, yeah, obviously one of and uh, got on as RCMP. Um, so it was a phenomenal stepping stone for sure. And it was a good experience, definitely gave a little bit of extra training and experience that was kind of lacking in the police academy.
1: You know, you said that and I was going to key in on that is it is kind of sad, you know, because we all say like, well, you don't really learn how to be a cop in the academy. You learn that in FTO and your time on the road. And there's there's just so much information to, uh, I guess, to take in, you know, it's like taking info from like a garden hose. You're just trying to fucking take it all in. And it sucks. You know, you learn the real, real basic stuff in the academy. You don't really get that until you get out at which. You know if if you're somewhere that maybe you don't get a lot of exposure, yeah, that could be a little bit tough as far as not learning those things pretty quick and you learn a hard lesson two or three years in that maybe you would have learned earlier on. i I'm honestly a proponent of longer academies. You know mine was six months. I thought that was pretty good. I know there's other I don't know what it is like in Texas, but I know there's others where it's like two or three months. I think it should be mm. much longer.
0: Yeah, when I went through I, the the state police academy, I believe that it was 17 weeks long. So, yeah, only about three months or so, four months, maybe, I think. So, mad. yeah, it was pretty short. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to. Do. <laughs> <clears throat> All
1: right. So you get through that and then you you work in a jail. I assume you assume that it would lead to a road spot, but that wasn't the direction that was going to go.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So there was a bunch of us that got hired at that one out of the police academy. And, of course, you know, sitting down with the guy, he's all just, you know, like, yep, there's absolutely the possibility you'll get out of the streets. And then, of course, that ended up being like the one place where they were like super stingy about it and whatnot. And we found that out once we got there kind of thing. Um, but I mean, being in the jail was a good experience. And I kind of recognize that going in. Uh, because all the games that are played out on the streets by criminals, they're they're played right there in the jail. And plus, you get to know who people are. And and honestly, it was just a really good experience just getting to see what goes on once you've brought the person to jail. And, you know, most of us cops, we just kind of wash our hands of it and are just like, yep oh, my job's done. But <laughs> those poor jailers, they end up having to deal with all the rest of it, you know, kind of thing. So it, it was a good experience for sure.
1: Jailer is a fucking awful job and i feel bad for them
0: yeah absolutely yeah hats off to the guys that would actually stick with it for a long time and the turnover rate was ridiculous when i got there the senior officer on our shift had been there for two years and then i became the senior officer after nine months
1: that's bad yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you know realistically who wants to sit in a jail all day
0: yeah absolutely
1: so from there, you moved on to a pretty damn small agency, right?
0: Yep, that's correct. Yeah, have five sworn officers, including the chief.
1: I assume not 24-hour coverage?
0: Uh, we did have 24-hour coverage, yep. We had uh, two 12-hour shifts, and yeah, those four other officers, that was one person per shift.
1: So you're basically by yourself all the time.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm.
1: So – you mentioned earlier, and we'll get to more of that later, you know, you work for Nashville for a while, where I'm sure you had cover on every single call. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, on working and taking fucking domestics and all this crazy shit by yourself? I mean, are you a proponent of having two officers per call, or do you think one guy can handle it? What are your thoughts on that, since you've seen both sides of the world there?
0: Yeah, um, it's I, it's always better to have two I'll, I'll always be a proponent of that. I mean, even when we were working there, all of us, I mean, they used to have kind of a cross coverage there. They used to have six officers and they would have like kind of a swing guy. Um, just for that reason, you know, the times when it would be busier where you are more than likely would be responding to that stuff, you know, you have two. Um, but, you know, when you have just one person, you just kind of learn to just suck it up and just kind of, well, here we go. YOLO. <laughs> I'm definitely a proponent of more than one officer for sure.
1: Yeah. If I, if I could make any change on law enforcement, not that I have any power, but I, I honestly think every agency should have two people on, on a shift all the time. Yeah, for sure. Like that's minimum staffing, but you know, I get it. I mean, I, you know, no, I don't get it. Stop making excuses. Pay your cops.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that was the thing is whenever I'd be going to stuff like that, you know, we'd always we were dispatched by the county. uh, So, you know, I'd always let them know. It's just like, hey, if you got anybody nearby, send them my way. And There were times where, yeah, it was a deputy or a trooper or even a cop from one of the other small towns nearby, you know, that would come and back me up on stuff. And likewise, you know, I'd go back them up and uh you know, in their respective places as well. Just there, there was that mutual understanding that we're all on the same team kind of thing and kind of having to look out for each other. So there was a lot of going way outside of our jurisdictional areas to go back each other up kind of thing.
1: That's good. One thing I've noticed about Texas, at least in my opinion, is they have some pretty small towns that have cops where from what I'm used to, if you have less than 5,000 people you may not have a police department, the sheriff's department's going to cover that, where I think Texas is a lot different. I think Texas, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, because you're from there, obviously I'm not, but Texas kind of has this, they want to be kind of governed by their own people kind of deal. And so they have, you know, these tiny, tiny agencies with, you know, two or three cops. I I would assume the town you're working in is less than 5,000.
0: Oh yeah, it was like, I think, 1200 people or something like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would a town like that in Colorado very rarely would have a cop and the SO would handle that. What are your, and and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but just because you kind of worked in that environment, I've heard some arguments from some people on this type of issue saying, well, a bigger agency should handle this. So instead of, you know, you, you have a County that has five or six really small agencies you basically just have the sheriff's department with more manpower, hopefully better pay, take care of those smaller towns. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of a tough question because yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that to some degree, but at the same time, man, it's a tough little issue. So for example, like where that County, that I was working in, we were getting paid more at that little agency, than the sheriff's office was in our uh, in our county, so when it came down to it, I mean that was the reason that I went there as opposed to the sheriff's office because we were getting paid, you know, like five grand more at that little agency than the sheriff's deputies were, kind of thing. Now the trade-off, of course, was they all got take-home vehicles, kind of thing. So you know, I'd have to drive into work and was burning gas that way. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it, it is kind of weird, and it's I don't know really how to explain like why these little cities went with this particular, you know, way of doing things and whatnot. I, I do think that in some other areas, it wasn't as bad in the county that I was in. Um, but there's definitely pissing contests between the the chiefs of police and the sheriffs in the area and all that. And they can be really just like, this is my town you don't have no jurisdiction. I mean, people just like hating each other kind of thing. Just absolute stupidity when it comes to the dick measuring and it just kind of obviously like trickles down to the rest of the agency until I guess the patrol, of course, patrolling you know, everyone's have, have, having to interact with each other and all that stuff. We're all just like, dude, we're all the same team. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All
1: right. So I want to use an example here because this whole conversation reminded me of it. Are you familiar with the uh, Jonathan price shooting? Mm, not stuff off the top of my mind. head. So that was down in Wolf city which I guess is down by Dallas. Small agency, I think he was the only guy on. This guy, Officer Sean Lucas, real young guy. I watched a video on it, and uh, I think I was on a live stream about it. And without going into great detail about it, he ended up getting acquitted, but he was charged and fired. I really thought it was a, a bad shooting. And it, I looked at it, it's like this guy really, like he, he was just out of the academy, had real no experience, and was confronted with a situation that a senior cop could have probably dealt with a lot easier and it ended up being a shooting and it probably didn't need to be the person I was on the live stream with. That was kind of their argument was, well, we need to have, you know, bigger agencies so that, you know, the training's better and this or that. So I I think it's an interesting debate for sure. Um, But I mean, culture is culture. I mean that, I think that's just Texas culture is the small town law enforcement because you really don't see that other places, honestly, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I hate to say it too, though. I mean, he's right about that. And I mean, the perfect example—I hate to say it—is Uvaldi kind of thing. I mean, that was the perfect example of all these tons of different agencies, all just kind of their own little bubbles. With and and it goes to their training too. I mean, I guarantee you that they've got completely different levels of training, whatnot, all showing up at a place not knowing what to do, just because everybody's just kind of their own little satellite, little law enforcement thing going on there. And and that it's kind of interesting. So the place I'm at now. You know, I have some perspective having worked in a different state with, you know, some different standards. And I'm working with a guy that used to work up in the Portland area. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how everybody up there is trained exactly the same way through the same academy and whatnot. So everybody's on the same page uh, with the type of training that's going on. And you, you literally could take anybody from that area up there and just kind of throw them with another agency. And they all know how to respond to like an active shooter Whereas here in Texas, it's it's a crapshoot, you know, between, you know, different agencies and what academy they went to. You you honestly have no idea what you're going to get. And it's it's not a good thing at all.
1: Yeah, that is a great point. I think here in Iowa, there's the State Patrol Academy. I think, you know, like Des Moines may have an academy and maybe one of the other big cities. But basically, everybody else either goes through a shortened academy, if they have experience or whatever, or they go through like the main academy. And all that training, my understanding, is the same. So everybody kind of does things the same way. Where I worked in Colorado, uh, you were probably okay responding with different agencies because we're going to get kind of the same stuff in the bigger areas. But I think out on the plains, you know, people can go to community college to get become a cop people can do all sorts of different academies so yeah that is that is a big problem i think where regionally departments i guess in texas and other places have to kind of figure that out as far as all right we need to all come up with like some kind of governmental agreement for those type of calls specifically i think you can other calls you can kind of get away with different things but on an active shooter everybody's got to be on the same page and uvalde i was kind of shocked that the troopers or dps what you guys call them out there they didn't take over that situation
0: yeah yeah i was really surprised about that as well but again it kind of comes back to that whole you know just like every agency you know there tends to be a pissing contest and you know people don't want to step on each other kind of thing i I don't know it's it's weird yeah uvalde was really weird that that was so strange just seeing that happen, you know, it's easy for me, you know, since I wasn't involved to, you know, sit on the sidelines and be, you know, throwing shade and whatnot. But at the same time, we're going to call shit out when we see it kind of thing. Um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I don't want to get, I guess, since we're here, we'll talk about it. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you know, when that first happened, I was like, okay, there has to be like a reasonable, rational explanation. And as time has went on there, there's not, what I saw happen is basically and, and I'm not going to be, I know a lot of guys did this and kind of shit on them in not a constructive manner. I mean, those guys, all those guys standing in the hallway, as mad as I am about it, they have to live with that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to fucking shit on them anymore than they're shitting on themselves, I guess is the way I look at it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to live with that failure. And, but to me, I saw this. And I'm glad you kind of brought this different perspective because I didn't think about like they're all coming from different agencies and different places, different academies. I looked at it as in this age of policing where you're kind of so afraid of getting in trouble and going to jail or whatever, people kind of fail to act. And I also thought – I've been on these calls where you have a bunch of cops and you're just told to show up, and you're basically – when you get there, hey, hang out. We'll let you know what you need kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. I don't know if there's guys that were at the end of that that had no idea what the fuck was going on. They didn't know that there was still kids in the classroom. But you would think of all the guys and girls in that hallway, somebody's like, "All right, we got to fucking do something." I you know, and here's another thing I want to throw out there, um just my opinion and you feel free to fight me on it, but and I'm stealing this from somebody, but it's it's a good point, but I'm going to kind of counter it a little bit is we all go home at the end of the day, right? Like that's, that's the rule we all kind of go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That may be a time where you may be okay, not going by that rule, right? If it means yeah, I can absolutely. save some kids, you do what you want to do. The only caveat I would add to that though, is if you just run in there without a plan, and not tactical and you're and you just get mowed down as you go through the door you're not going to help the kids especially if you're by yourself Mm -hmm. you know if you're if you're by yourself or there's just one or two guys like you guys have to fucking work out how you're going to tactically deal with this if you just run in there and get murdered then you're basically more kids are going to get hurt because now you're down so i i get that going through that door and the guy had a rifle he could have just mowed down a bunch of cops going through the door and it could have been a a gooseneck. I get that fucking go through a wall, go through a window, do something. It doesn't take 87 minutes to figure that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's the biggest point of contention. I think with that one is just the amount of time that elapsed, you know, from when they got there and, you know, when they finally, you know, went in is that's, always the biggest complaint kind of thing and that's it's very valid that's for sure so and yeah that mindset of we all go home I mean that's good because you know especially some of us when we were younger you know all (laughs) you know rip roaring ready to go kind of thing you kind of need to have that you know some people need that little hey dude you know don't be stupid about this but at the same time you know there is a certain point where yeah it's just like you know I know what I signed up for getting into this job and I very well may end up not coming home kind of thing. That's absolutely not what I want to happen, but that chance is always going to be there.
1: So yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that was really beat into my head as a young guy, and it's, it's definitely stuck there is you can't help if you can't get there kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. while that
1: more pertains of like, you know, wrecking your car on the way, I think that's also a thing of running around with your, with your fucking head cut off is, is a problem too. Yep. Um, I guess I guess since we're talking about it, and we'll we'll come back, but I guess we need to talk about probably about what happened in Nashville, which to be fair, I'm really ahead on podcast at this point. It is uh what is it, March 29th, we're recording this. I don't think this is coming out for another three or four weeks. But <laughs> at this point, you know, from what I've seen out of Nashville, I think the nine one one call was like delayed it was like 11 minutes before they called or something crazy like that is something i read but if you watch the body camera the the responding officers like they get out of the car they're in the building they're going right to the shooter they did exactly how like at least how i was trained is you fucking move to the shooter you go towards the gunfire you just go um you know i don't know about you and i don't want to give away you know what, we're not going to give away tactics.
0: And I mean, wh- that response that they did there was a testament to the training there at Nashville. I mean, that academy, yeah, that one was a six-month academy, and it was phenomenal. I mean, we spent two weeks doing uh, active shooter slash CPB training. Um, and I mean, it's obvious there in how they responded. Yeah, that was textbook right there.
1: Yeah, and I was lucky where when I went through, we spent at least a couple days, it felt like, um in a building they were getting ready to tear down and we fucking did you know building clearings but we also worked in the like active shooter stuff like going to where the shooting is from and they it was fucking phenomenal um, yeah. and actually they are uh they're the officers of the podcast i know there was a bunch more guys than the two guys that are getting the credit in the news right now it was like a team of I think three or four guys maybe five guys went in there i don't know who <laughs> they are too just because they didn't shoot, I think, doesn't mean they didn't do a phenomenal job getting into the building and working exactly the way they needed to work. But at this point, uh we'll do our little officer of the podcast and we'll, we'll talk about you. Although they are way cooler than you, if we got to be honest. They did a fucking job. Oh, they job. are. Yeah, certified badasses for sure. So as you guys know, the uh, officer of the podcast is brought to you by Ghost Patch. They have sent some awesome patches over that only the officers of the podcast will get i am going to send these to uh nashville headquarters and hopefully they get to where they need to be and then of course nominate your buddies if you listen to the last podcast i didn't do one because i'm kind of out but a few more have uh, trickled in so if you guys know people doing good work please email me and i will uh, try and get them recognized so the officers um we kind of talked about it already, but they, they did a fucking phenomenal job coming into the building and moving, and they are Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Oh, buddy. Don't don't forgive me if I mispronounce your name. It's Palazzo? Uh, Do you know any of those dudes by any chance? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well done, you guys. Saving some more kids. Unfortunately, six people were killed, but I don't think they could have done anything about it. They got in there as quick as they could and took care of business. So well done. Uh, I think for that one, I think they probably deserve a uh, applause, don't you say? I
0: think they deserve all three at the same time.
1: Fuck yeah. Let's do that. Hell yeah. Oh, where's my T-Rex? Okay. Solid, solid work. Very poorly made. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. Have you seen the newest hat drop from VDev Group? They just launched their 2023 hat for spring and summer, and it's Murdered Out. Two hats are traditional dad hats, one standard, one distressed. Both have Murdered Out stars on the front representing the flag and have Memento Mori on the back. Memento Mori means remember you have to die and is a staple of stoicism and stoic thought. We should all accept the truth and reality. We must remind ourselves daily of this fact. Two more hats are mesh back. One is in a traditional trucker-style cap with mesh back with a snapback. Another is full mesh back and has a multi-can black option as well. These only have stars on the front. Premium embroidery, not stale hats sitting on a shelf. Shipped directly to you. Remember that these hats are a one-time drop. Once the summer is over, these hats will never be available again. So do not miss out. Use code PMPM for a discount on your first order from vdev.group. Remember, the URL is vdev.group. V-D-E-V dot group. G-R-O-U-P. And make sure to use code PMPM on your first order so they know we sent you for a discount. While you are there, check out their medical and EDC items, the best in the business when it comes to street-proven products. VDev.Group. Let's see. Well, let's talk. We kind of went off on a tangent about small-town policing and got into Uvalde and uh, all of that. So you worked for the small agency for a few years. Did you get kind of burnt out of it or... I know you ended up going somewhere else. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. I, like I said, you know, the goal was always to go to a bigger place. You know, I didn't want to stay there. You know, the pay
1: was low. Um, I mean, it was
0: okay for the size of department and whatnot, but you know, that was never the goal. Um, so I basically worked my way up in the department as high as I could go. You know, I ended up being a Sergeant Lieutenant and then chief. Like if you can even imagine having all those freaking ranks there, I did it kind of thing. But, uh, Yeah. I, I worked there for a total of, oh gosh, we're having to do math again, probably like seven years or something like that. And yeah, I was just burnt out. I mean, there was nothing to look forward to. And, you know, I just was tired of everything. Um, so I had a buddy that had gotten into contracting. So I went that route, did that for a little bit. And it was nice to be able to just not be policing at all. Just take a break from that, not having to think about anything like that. But, uh, When I got done with my first gig, you know, I kind of was like, man, I kind of miss it a little bit. And then I ended up putting myself through SWAT school during that time. And, you know, I got done with that. And seeing everybody else working with their teams and all that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah, man, I'm not ready to give this up. So, you know, got back into it. And then, yeah, I got on at that other mid-sized agency and uh, been working there ever since and been absolutely loving it. So, But getting that break – Uh, where I just mentally just wasn't thinking about law enforcement and all that definitely was a huge huge thing for me just being able to you know kind of re-up and be ready to go when I got back into it kind of thing and I kind of think you know if people are feeling burnt out it's it's not a bad thing to just take a break and I know that if you're at an agency where you're trying to work for a pension and stuff, that sucks. And it I I wish that there was a way that larger agencies, you know, just had some sort of like way that you could kind of like just take a break and just do something else while still being employed there or something, just something to take a break. I don't know, but it just, it was so nice to be able to do that for sure.
1: Contracting. Can you talk about what you did at all? Was it like overseas or anything or was it in the States?
0: Yeah, no, I was overseas, um, so I was doing, it's officially called an unexploded ordnance technician, um, and I was overseas out in the island in the Pacific over by the Philippines cleaning up old World War II ordnance. That was a lot of fun, and that, and that was the other thing with that particular job, too, is I kind of ended up getting on the once-in-a-lifetime dream job kind of thing, um, and it was never going to be that cool or happen like that again, um, so I kind of did my, my little fun in the sun kind of thing and got out um the pay was definitely better than law enforcement kind of thing but you know i'm i'm married and i have kids and whatnot and being away from them it just wasn't how i wanted to end up living the rest of my life either kind of thing you know missing out on you know my kids growing up and all that so
1: yeah, yeah. i was gonna say i i can't imagine your wife was too happy about that Um, as you were fucking oh, she out wasn't. there living your best life she's dealing with oh, the fucking dude. kids Yeah,
0: she's back with the kids, and I'm out on like a Pacific Island on my weekends. You know, hanging out at the beach and all that stuff. Yeah, she was super pissed. So yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, I could see that going south pretty quick. So let me get the. I want to make sure I get the order right. So the sheriff's office in the jail, the cons or the uh, the small department, and where? At what point did you go to Nashville? Was that before or after contracting?
0: Uh, That was before contracting. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's talk about Nashville a little bit. So had you taken a break in law enforcement and then went to Nashville, or did you basically lateral over to Tennessee?
0: No, I basically lateraled over. Um, and man, I, this, this was the Lord looking out for me. So I kept my commission with Texas. I, I left as a reserve officer. And uh kept up with my license. I just had this little feeling like just in case, you know, I don't want to like lose my license in Texas and sure enough, but yeah, I rolled over into to Nashville. At that point they didn't have any sort of like lateral transfer program. Um, so you know, I basically started over, uh, gone over there. So yeah, did their six month academy and their uh probation field training and all that wonderful jazz. So yeah.
1: You uh this had kind of come up on a previous podcast, but you had mentioned you were going through FTO when they had that officer that got charged. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see, I was in my second phase of field training and it's kind of funny because my first phase of field training, I actually worked with that officer on the same shift uh, that he was at. He had just been moved over to uh, the juvenile task force, which over there, that was a, a task force basically kind of going after these young gangsters that are, you know, going around like stealing vehicles, carjacking people, robbing places and all that. Um, and then the other officer, you had one on the podcast that kind of talked about it. He, you know, he, he broke it down really good. What happened, but from, you know, like my perspective and patrols perspective, when it was happening, you know, we just had heard a rumor that there'd been a shooting and stuff like that. And then like the next day. So at that point too, we didn't have body cams there and we didn't have dash cams at all. The only people that had any sort of cameras was the DUI unit. I think that was like 12 officers in the entire department. Um, So there was no body cam, no dash cam footage of anything. Uh, But they did have like security camera footage over by the apartments where he ended up jumping out. And, you know, you see this, this black guy running away from the officer and he's got a gun in his hand and you see him kind of like looking over his shoulder a little bit. And then you see that officer square up and shoot him. Um, and of course, you know, the way it was, all you had was that information there. And then this, you know, he was shot in the back several times by a white officer kind of thing. So, you know, of course, you know, true to form, you know, everything just blows up everywhere. Everyone's, you know, hating on the police and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, relations are just kind of getting bad. And, and the word that we got as patrol officers from our higher ups, they were all just like no more traffic stops, no more Terry stops, no more proactivity whatsoever kind of thing. Um, and, you know, morale is already a little bit bad, but that really just killed the morale. Yeah, I was I was doing a day shift at that point. And those day shift officers, you know, they'd all been there like 12, 15, some 20 years kind of thing. But those were the saltiest motherfuckers I'd ever been around my entire life. you if you'd have just added water, it would, they would have been the Dead Sea kind of thing. But daggum, yeah, like briefing was just an absolute like depressed fest with all their just doom and gloom and complaining and all that is it, it was bad. Yeah, they, they I And mean, can a, you blame
1: them in that circumstance though? You
0: can't, but hot diggity dog man it was just depressing they had a FTO they had one FTO that had been there for a while and he was like this before that shooting happened he like he got removed from being FTO because every new boot he got he would just be like, man, I don't know why you came to this place. It absolutely sucks. You know, it's just, you know, admin's out to get you. You ain't going to survive here. And you he had all these, you know, he had all these boots that were just quitting and being like, I don't want to work at this department anymore. And they're, they found out he's like talking shit. And they removed him from being an FTO. We should make him the officer
1: <laughs> of the podcast. Well done, sir. I
0: know, right? <laughs> so Yeah,
1: but it just, yeah.
0: And and it was a little weird too because, you know, me coming from a completely different agency and a completely different place of doing things and kind of experiencing. And also, I started out on the streets before the whole, you know, uh, Ferguson stuff happened. So I, I did have a little different perspective on what policing was like. So, I mean, I was right there with the guys, you know, that have been doing it for a while, but it's interesting because all the people that I went through with, you know, most, I think there was one other guy that was prior law enforcement, but none of them were prior law enforcement. And, you know, they had no other perspective kind of thing, you know, just coming in with things being like that and the way things were, you know, just that's the way things were. And, you know, most of them are all still there at Nashville and there's been a couple that moved to different agencies, but, you know, they're still there, still enjoying it. And, I don't know, just there's, there is a little something to that, you know, being a little naive and not knowing any different that does kind of work out your favor, I guess, at a place like that. But, yeah. Yeah. The the big thing for me was once I got cut loose several months later, I had a sergeant in briefing one night. He was that he just straight up said, you know, if you do a traffic stop or a terrorist stop, you know, and something goes south, that's 100 percent on you. The department's not going to back you up. We're not going to back you up at all. Um, And I was just like, man, I'm not spending the the next 20 years at this place. So yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Then with a real nail in the coffin that did it was the precinct next to me. So the shooting happened up in the North precinct, uh, which is a predominantly black area. And several months after that, there was an officer that got shot on a domestic up in that area. Um, And then like a couple of weeks after that, the commander up in that precinct decides that he's gonna have every officer um, on shift is gonna spend about 30 minutes of their shift sitting at a quote-unquote assigned location, which would be like a parking lot to a library or something like that. Um, and they were supposed to sit there so that members of the public could come up and chit-chat you know, with them and just so you could get to know the officers in your area. And they were posting those locations on social media and on the news. Oh, fuck Um, that. Exactly, yeah. And fortunately, they got rid of that, like, after about a month. But yeah, that that was the real nail in the coffin. I was just like, (laughs) a precinct commander came up with this idea, thought it was a good idea, and no one above him was just like, hey, bro, you know, that's probably not a good idea. So I was just like, no, I'm I'm done. (laughs) I'm out of (laughs) here.
1: But you know what? If you did that in small-town Texas, probably not a problem, right?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean – yeah it's just not the same animal just not the same animal
1: you know at some point the city like cause everybody everybody fucking rips on rural america right like oh a bunch of dumb hillbillies we don't all fucking kill each other yeah i don't, we don't think have all I these worked. fucking problems at some point the the city folk you need to fucking look internally and i know i'm preaching to the choir here and think huh we're a bunch of fucking assholes. We should fucking yeah. work on things. Things aren't working very well for us instead of whatever dumb thing we're going to fucking do today. Families yeah. are racist. That that will fucking solve the issue. Families are yeah. racist. <laughs> exactly.
0: No, yeah, that my my time there at that small agency, I don't think I worked one single shooting whereas my first 6 months of field training I worked five shootings there in Nashville. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But hold on a second, rural Texas is filled with guns. Gun owners are the problem, sir. Didn't you know that? <laughs> right. I'm all riled up today. Nah, all this, all this shit going on on our planet is just insane to me. And you know, some days I can deal with it better than others, but apparently, apparently not today. It's harder on days when you can only drink coffee and
0: water. That's for sure
1: the liquor definitely makes things better what can i say so you guys had moved all the way out there and then very quickly you guys decided to move back was that hard on the family or did your wife understand
0: no it, it actually worked out very well it, fortunately yeah my wife was on board with and i asked her first of course too i was just like hey this is what's going on this is what you know are you cool with moving back to texas kind of thing she's like yeah so that worked out very well my wife's the the true mvp um, in this whole story, that's for sure.
1: Does she deserve a T Rex, air horns, or an applause?
0: Hells yeah. She deserves all three.
1: Well Love done. You, well done, Wolfpack's wife. I'm glad that worked out for you. When you went back to the small agency from Nashville I suppose that was like a real big fucking culture shock right
0: yeah it uh I mean you know I was going back to what I was familiar with but at the same time you know I was able to come back with a lot more experience um and that ultimately helped me out a ton you know with some of the future calls that end up coming up and then especially being able to kind of move up um you know, be supervised and whatnot. I just, you know, had a little better training and a lot more exposure and whatnot that I wouldn't have gotten if I'd have just been staying at that small agency, that's for sure.
1: And then eventually you moved on to now you're doing something a little more in between, not tiny and not too big. That's what she said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Place that I'm at now, it's got a population that's over a hundred thousand. Um, and you know, mid sized agency. So we stayed you know, very busy and whatnot. Uh, It's kind of like big city stuff going on, but it's got that small town feel to it kind of thing. So it's, it's the perfect in between.
1: Which is fucking insane to think a hundred thousand people has a small town feel, but. It is
0: kind of weird. It is kind of weird, but I like it. So yeah, (laughs) that's, that's just how some areas of Texas are.
1: In your, in your humble opinion, where was your favorite place to work? you know, they all had their
0: things. I I honestly have to say the place that I'm at right now is the best place that I've worked. Yeah. Having some of those other places definitely puts in perspective because, you know, there's some people at the agency I'm at now that are kind of like, oh, it sucks here. And it's just like, <laughs> actually, no, it doesn't. This is actually a really good place to be at work and shut your mouth.
1: <laughs> you know, I've, I've come to learn that my old agency as much shit as I talk and don't, you know, I'm not getting sappy here. I'd never go back because it is God awful in the pits of hell, mm-hmm. but there's places where it's so much worse,
0: but yeah. on the same
1: hand, on the same hand, I, I think, I think we find things to complain about where people work at places where like, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's not, it's really not that bad. And, and I think, I, it's weird for me to be the one preaching this cause I'm usually Mr. Negativity, but you know, it is what you make it. And also it's, you know, are you making it worse than it really is? I mean, nobody on earth actually likes their job or likes yeah. You know what? People like their job. Nobody likes their boss. Everybody has an issue with their boss and that's every job, every industry. So, you know, it's one of those things. I think sometimes you got to be grateful. You know, you're not working for Chicago or Philly or Baltimore LA or New York or any of these other fucking crazy agencies that have all these problems.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Dude, yeah, like when you interviewed that guy from uh, NYPD, I listening to how things are up there just, you know, he was talking about the freaking typewriters and shit. I was just like, "Oh my goodness."
1: <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't even make sense, dude. It's like, "What? This is real?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one of the stories that you sent me that kind of had me hooked was can you tell everybody about your first patrol rifle
0: i can so uh it, being a small town rural agency the uh the only thing that they provided was uh, your vest and then a pair of uniform pants and shirt and a badge of course but you had to provide everything else so fortunately at that point you know i already have my my little glock twenty two forty 40 cal and uh you know, some, a belt and handcuffs and all that jazz, but, uh, I didn't have the standard patrol rifle. Um, the only thing that I had was a, an, <laughs> a Wazer, uh, AK 47. And, uh, I asked my chief, I was just like, Hey chief, you know, this is all I got for a rifle. Um, I'm, I've trained with it a lot. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, can, can I carry this on duty? And He just kind of like raises his eyebrows and then he's like, like if you qualify with it yeah i guess you can carry it so i qualified with it and yeah an ak-47 is what i carried for my patrol rifle for the first four years of patrol and uh since i worked night shift i didn't have a, a flashlight mount on it so i just freaking uh, gorilla taped my flashlight, this old Streamlight tack that I had to the, <laughs> the foregrip of my AK-47. <laughs> that was my patrol rifle for the first four years. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: That's fucking
0: awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, the looks I got when I'd be like, you know, meeting up with some of the deputies, you know, we'd be meeting up like out, you know, somewhere in the county just to hang out, you know, like, oh, dark, stupid and you know, they kind of like lean over and be like, is that an AK forty seven? Be like, Yup. And they're like, Did you fucking duct tape that flashlight on there? Yep. And they're just like, What the hell?
1: <laughs> well, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes, I suppose. Exactly. Um, God, I had a chance to buy an AKD probably a month ago. I probably should have done it. But oh someday. man, yeah, that
0: it, it, it ain't like they used to be. I got mine for uh four hundred bucks. Uh back in the day and nowadays they're yeah like starting at like seven hundred for you know a uh, a budget one.
1: You may have an interesting take on this. I am curious of what your opinion on is it on it is. I can talk I promise I'm not drinking folks. Uh I won't name names Dennis um from street cop. I guess there was some podcast where he had I don't know this Mike Glover dude I don't know who the fuck he is. Some I guess he's a black rifle guy I don't know, but he was talking shit about like small town cops and I know some other people that talk shit about small town cops and it's weird to me because I think everybody just assumes we all want the the same things. And this is my opinion on it. Like some people are very happy in the area of the country they live. They don't need to go be a cop in a big city to prove anything. And, you know, I I don't like this uh, idea that all the small town cops are basically you know, Barney Fife and don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like there's some very competent dudes. And I can tell you from working on a a bigger agency, maybe considered midsize, I don't know. There's a lot of dumbasses that work there. Just because you work for a big agency doesn't mean you're competent by any means. And I really don't like shitting on the small town guys. Like some people they're not after the money. They like living where they live and working where they work. I mean, what what's your take on the guys that just like being a small town cop?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's just like anywhere else. You got really good ones there, and then you have the real shit bags too. I mean, I, I do get that. It's some of those smaller agencies. I mean, they take what they can get because you know that's all that they can get to even staff anything. So, yeah, I poor oh boy. I mean, we had some epic drama that definitely happened at that small agency with some just real shitty people that ended up there kind of thing. Um, But that's definitely not what they're all like. That's for sure. And I mean, there's a, you know, a guy that I worked with where, you know, he just, he likes that small town feel. It's close to home where he grew up. um, And just, you know, that's just his style kind of thing. And he, and he does, he does an excellent job. He's an absolutely phenomenal police officer and very smart dude. You know? Yeah. I mean, it takes all kinds. And I mean, those smaller places, I mean, they need good people. Um, so, you know, hats off to the people that want to stay there and, you know, get paid shit to, to do that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I can get where some of the shade comes from. Cause yeah, we definitely had some, you know, some shady people that came through, you know, most of them like leaving a big agency for whatever reason, kind of thing. And then ending up, you know, small town hopping kind of thing. It, it definitely happens. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And it is, it is definitely a thing. You know, I'm not here to say there isn't, you know, the shit, shit bags that get fired and they have no other choice. And that kind of sucks, right? Like the small agencies, (laughs) they definitely have a smaller pool of people, which it's a problem. And it's a huge, even bigger problem. Now I I think it works both ways. I think you could say, yeah, Yeah. there's some people that are big city cops that suck balls. um, Not just, no, I'm not going to make a liver and PD joke. I'm, bit, I'm better than that. Um, but there's some <laughs> there's some big city guys that suck. And there's some small town guys that suck. And you have, you know, especially you work in a place like Texas or Colorado where anybody can go get a certification. You have people applying for these jobs that they're never going to get through a background, a major background somewhere. And I would argue the background in a small agency should be just as, as strict as it is um in a small agency or i'm sorry vice versa i think the background in a small agency should be just as strict as a big agency but i'm pretty sure that doesn't happen but sometimes you see people get hired in big agencies that shouldn't get hired it, it to me it's i don't know it's one of those like like you brought up earlier cuz you like talking about dicks as the, the size comparison thing is you know everybody's pulling their dicks out to say well it's better to be rural it's better to be city it's better to be whatever we need all of it, so just yeah. just fucking stop. You know, if it's all in good fun, I'm good with it. But I can tell some people are pretty serious when they say, "Oh, these fucking small town guys, they don't they don't know what the fuck they're doing," or you know, they shouldn't even be cops. They you know they small towns shouldn't even have cops and all this fucking crazy shit. It pisses me off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and I've I've seen plenty of times, you know, where a small town cop will respond to something that, you know, people at larger agencies would just be like, Oh my gosh, why are you going to that situation with no backup kind of thing? It just yeah. I mean, everybody's got, you know, their different calling kind of thing. So just is what it is.
1: Definitely, for sure. Okay, so you had kind of the unique experience of going through an academy in Texas and then academy in Tennessee what were some of the differences And I mean, I guess in your opinion, what you thought was better or worse, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Like I said, so yeah, I did two here in Texas and yeah, the like the, uh, the state Academy that I did here in Texas, it was a, it was a college one. And that one was, I mean, it was really good when it came to the law. They did a phenomenal job of teaching the penal code, code of criminal procedure. I mean, everybody came away from that knowing their law, like really good. But they did an absolutely terrible job of the defensive tactics, firearms training, just everything else, like the practical stuff that you end up doing on the streets. Like I said, we didn't practice one single traffic stop. They didn't go over any sort of like patrol procedures. They maybe like touched on it, you know, by PowerPoint kind of thing, but that was it. And then they had like a day of PT awareness kind of thing. Where they just did you say about, PT hey. awareness?
1: <laughs> what the exactly PT awareness
0: exactly? Yeah, it was just a you should be healthy and work out kind of thing. There was no PT test at all, though. And we didn't PT at all in that academy. And I think like we went outside and like walked around the building like for four laps or something like that to be active. And that was it. It was just embarrassing. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, going up to you know the Nashville police academy was the polar opposite where we're you know, we were. PT like every single morning and then getting smoked in between classes kind of thing. You know, they had a very paramilitary style, uh, setup and whatnot, you know, just night and day difference. The Nashville Academy, I will say was absolutely phenomenal. And they do, a, they're what, what they're doing is, is great. It's the way, it's the very bare minimum of how officers should be getting trained kind of thing. It, they did an absolutely phenomenal job there. Um, But yeah, it was kind of funny too. They, uh, you know, so they do the whole paramilitary style, you know, you know, their instructors wearing the campaign covers, yelling and screaming at you and doing all that stuff. And uh, like the first day, you know, we all show up in our suits and, you know, we're doing some in-processing and uh, (laughs) and like, there's this one guy that was like sitting next to me and he didn't have like his top button buttoned with his tie kind of thing. And, you know, one of the, like the instructors, something like that said, like, hey, you like button your top button and pull that tie up kind of thing and then he kind of like threw a little bit of attitude kind of thing while he was doing it and then the instructor was like we'll deal with you tomorrow and that kid was just like what <laughs> does that mean and and he didn't show up the next day that was the best part about it what a bitch <laughs> i know. he just he's just like i'm out <laughs> yeah it was great so but yeah the the Nashville Academy just having all that, you know, stress inoculation is what they called it and just kind of getting people used to being yelled at and, you know, kind of having to, you know, do something hard and prove you want to do it kind of thing. That's, I I think there's really something good about that. Um, Just kind of weeds out some of the people that wouldn't really be able to make it um, in this line of work. I I think it does a phenomenal job of that. Um, And then, yeah, like I said, they did two weeks of active shooter training there. We did a week of team, cqb kind of thing where we were yeah practicing through a building using sims and all that kind of stuff and then they did two days of two person cqb you know so if you're just going with like one partner kind of thing to it you know you know a welfare check or a open door in a building kind of thing you know learning how to be able to do it with just two people and then they did three days of uh integrated uh, response with the fire department um you know responding to an active shooter scene and stuff like that so yeah, just, just absolutely top quality for sure. Um, and then, yeah, le- the laws, Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a whole nother thing. Having to learn the laws for a different state. I, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, that bad kind of thing, but boy, oh boy, are things different between Tennessee and Texas. That's for sure. That really threw me
1: for a loop. <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Cause I know, you know, I've, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, I may, I may eventually pursue going back at some point and, I've just done a little dabbling and in, in reading the statute statutes. I've done a little dabbling reading the statute. Oh my god, I can't say statutes. You can't say anything today, can you? <laughs> I can't say anything today, man. I, but I've done a little dabbling looking at the statutes. There it is, and um, it's way different and it's fucking weird. And I was so used to the way Colorado's laid out and it made sense and I knew how to find thing and I, and I knew what the definitions meant and things like that. Where mm-hmm. I think coming here it would really fucking throw me for a loop trying to properly charge things, which is nice. You know, you can fucking look up anything and, and figure it out. I mean, crime's crime kind of deal. What were the, what? what's a lot different in Texas and Tennessee? What are some big differences?
0: Oh boy. So the biggest one is uh, the domestic violence stuff. So yeah. So basically the big difference is, you know, the family violence, domestic violence stuff. So in Texas, you know, family violence, it's just, it's, it's, you know, the assault, that happens between family members uh members of the same household roommates that kind of stuff Uh, in tennessee it's this whole it's that subcategory but it applies to every crime kind of thing not just assault so there is such a thing as domestic vandalism over there like if you like take your girlfriend's phone y'all are fighting or something like that you take you know here we'll use this example so you're you're fighting with your girlfriend just Words are being you know, tossed around kind of stuff. You turn around, you're at her house, and you punch a hole in the wall instead of punching her in the face. And if she calls the cops on you kind of thing, you're going to jail for domestic vandalism that night. Um, they uh, Over there, they're a shall arrest state kind of thing for domestic. So anything that gets categorized as a domestic, you're having to take the, uh, the primary actor to jail And there were several times where (laughs) we were just like, man, we really do not think that this person needs to go to jail. This is such a bullshit call, but you kind of had to. And then it was funny too, in the academy, they're like, Tennessee has the highest rates of domestic violence in the entire United States. It's like, well, no shit, because literally everything can be categorized as a domestic over there. You know, just when it comes to relationships, like, for example, like if you've had sex with another person. And there's some sort of incident that happens later in life, kind of thing. Even if you have a one night stand, and then twenty years down the road, you like end up seeing each other again, and one person like slaps the other. Guess what? It's now a domestic.
1: Colorado yeah, is it, the it, same way. Yeah, that's that's, that's just
0: crazy. Player. I don't know. Yeah, that that was is... just super weird.
1: Well, that's that's something reading a statue. <laughs> Fuck, you can't say statue. That's something reading it out here in Iowa is. It's not that way. We're in Colorado. I just thought that's where it what how it was everywhere is is this crazy shit. I will say the one thing about Colorado, if you were smart, and you read the domestic violence statute, it had to be like, and I forget the terminology. There was like six or seven things it had to fit under. And so let's let's use your example of uh, you know turning around and punching the wall. If you talk to the victim, you know she calls and you go, "Well, were you scared or intimidated when he broke the wall?" And she goes, no, no, I wasn't. You probably could get away with not arresting him because she -hmm. she had to like, you know, and that's why you learn to ask the good questions. You know, if she said, yeah, he fucking turned around and hit the wall and I felt very intimidated and scared by that. Well, he's got to go.
0: Yeah. No. And and that's what sucked in Tennessee is like, she could sit there and say all that stuff, but because you have the probable cause and it's a shallow arrest state, you, you took him to jail. I mean, there's, I mean, there was a couple of police officers while I was working there that got arrested for DV just simply because there was the shall arrest statute kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it was just it was just weird. You
1: mean the 40 percent? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. No, I, like one in particular that happened. Uh, this chick, that was a police officer. She was like down on Broadway with with her wife kind of thing. And they're, you know the wife had gotten really sloshed drinking or something like that and was just kind of I guess she was just kind of like a sad drunk or something like that. So it was just blubbering, just, you know, causing all this scene or something like that. So her girlfriend that was the cop, you know, basically like picked her up, threw her over her shoulder and was like carrying her to the car kind of thing. And like all these bystanders like were seeing this kind of thing and thought that it was a kidnapping. So they called the cops on her kind of thing. And I don't know the full details or whatnot, but she ended up getting arrested for DV, like domestic, like unlawful restraint or something like that. And of course it did not stick kind of thing, but yeah, it was just, it blew my mind that that could even happen in the first place. Just, and it was simply because, you know, the pieces of the puzzle fell together for the definition of a DV kind of thing. Um, and it was just, that that just blows my mind that it can work like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think you could make an argument on the DV stuff. Like, I, I'm ai of the opinion that some of it is, like, crazy. Like, I get the mandatory arrest for the assaults and stuff. Okay, totally get that. But yeah. I, would, I would argue, like, if there was some form of, like, harassment, like he's getting, you know, I'm going to kill you, bitch, and shit like that. Okay, I'm good with that. You know, breaking her phone so she can't call the police. OK, yeah, you could go to jail mm-hmm. for that. OK, but some of this other stuff, like there was a, a famous example in Colorado that I butchered last time and I'll probably butcher it again. But the uh, Hall of Fame goalie of your Colorado Avalanche, Patrick Waugh, in like early 2000s, had broke a door downstairs after a, a argument with his wife. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't even in the same room. And they arrested him for it and I'm getting dumped. And that, you know, that's to me, that's not you're you're an adult. You shouldn't fucking break down a door kind of thing. But like, I know I get mad sometimes. Everybody gets mad and, you you know, you know, here's a funny thing, though. I think when people get mad, like if a chick gets mad, what does she do? She cries, right? Mm -hmm. cries, gets it out, gets gets that ball of energy out and then it's over with guys don't do that guys aren't gonna like cry and sob and eat ice cream and watch the lifetime movie well some of you fuckers might but i'm not so i might like fuck or you know get mad but you're an adult like you don't fucking break down doors you don't damage property i get that but that to me that's not a dv like i'd much rather him fucking destroy a door out of frustration than destroy her you know what i'm saying
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of more how, like, Texas sees it. I mean, we don't have domestic vandalism here kind of thing. If a dude, like, you know, turns around, walks out the door, and, yeah, he's, like, pissed off, and he starts, like, kicking the door or something like that on the way out kind of thing, yeah, no, he's not getting arrested for that.
1: I feel like I had a really stupid one with, like, a pool noodle or something like that where it was dumb. It was so dumb, but, like, the guy basically, like, Verbatim, like, kind of gave us, like, well, I hit her because I was mad at her, and fuck this bitch, and it was like, you know, like,
0: yeah, just talked himself into that one,
1: yeah. Well, into of, it. it. It's the you know you brought up the highest DV. Crimes in the nation and I'm sure a lot of the states that have those same type of laws have that because you arrest a lot of people other states aren't going to arrest and I'm not going to yeah. be the one that says DVs aren't a big deal like they're you know there's some fucking manipulative people guys and girls that are pieces of shit and treat their spouses terribly and fuck those people but you know I I'm yeah. I brought it up before but I think there's just the side of society people want to not acknowledge happens is sometimes two of those people are in relationships
0: and they beat on each
1: other and they take turns beating on each other and they love each other to death and they probably won't kill each other. I mean, they might, they probably won't. And yeah, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, she's just there because he's, she's so scared to leave and he's not there because, you know, he's so scared to leave. It's they're both, both those, you know, and I wish we Mm -hmm. could kind of acknowledge that as not this broad paintbrush of I know a lot of people kind of have this opinion on DVs that it's and it's usually honestly they always say the guys whatever but I, there's like this idea that guy all these guys are just not letting people get out and there's and they're making more into something it's not and like it I don't know if I want to go down this road but just it's a thing there's people that are yeah. bozos and it is Absolutely ridiculous.
0: uh, And, you know, bringing that up, you know, that that's another thing that, you know, at a
1: super small agency
0: like that, you know, you're a lot more involved with your community kind of thing. And, you know, they're just they're the same people there. So you just run into people more often. And of course, you know, when I was first starting at that small agency for the first several years there, I had like that one couple that was always, you know, the family violence couple that we get calls on all the time. And it was funny because, yeah, like the woman was the one that was calling but most of the time I ended up arresting her because she was the primary aggressor kind of thing. And <laughs> She even like said that one time. She's like, why do you keep taking me to jail when I'm the one calling you? It's just like, oh, sorry, you're the primary aggressor here. <laughs> Y'all well, are both got some major issues, but you need to stop like flying off the handle and beat the shit out of them.
1: <laughs> you know, you have such this accent and I just cannot believe you don't listen to country music. What's wrong with you?
0: I don't know. It's just I don't know. It's just that's me.
1: That's okay. how I am. You.
0: I do like some Tyler Childers. You know, I I can stand to, stand that occasionally, and you know, some old school Marty Robbins is good and whatnot. I mean, whatever. I just all right. I. Okay,
1: you're good. We're good. Marty Robbins. That's that's classic. I like that. Yeah,
0: Big Iron on his ship, That's a good song right there.
1: Yeah, that's fucking classic. Um, so with small town policing. Do you find yourself, and this is a kind of a loaded question, but do you find yourself maybe being a little more unsafe? Like, would you do things in a small town because you know people that you probably wouldn't do in Nashville? Does that make sense what I'm asking?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And yeah, and the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, once you you get to know people a little better, you definitely kind of get a feel for how people are and yeah there are definitely times that i would probably respond to certain things you know just the way i'd position myself or just like walk up on the scene and stuff like that other people would you know that didn't know any better would be like whoa kind of thing but you know knowing who these people were dude like at the time you know i'd walk up and just be calling these people by their first name and just like you know you know bobby what the fuck <laughs> kind of thing yeah definitely a lot different um yeah And there and I mean sometimes though it was you had no other choice, you know, like there's you know, been times where, you know, like I roll up on a DV and I can hear someone screaming from inside the house and furniture being thrown and it's I mean, my backups ten minutes away, no choice. I (laughs) I got the you know, I got someone that's screaming inside kind of thing, and I gotta respond. So, you know, here we go. (laughs) Hope for the best. (laughs) So yeah, just kind of is what it is.
1: I don't know the best way to put this, but I I've kind of wondered that. And I base this kind of on talking to some of the people I've talked to on the podcast is I had the uh, the rule officer on the podcast who you know writes all the articles and stuff. We were talking about how cops in small towns, you know, they're they get shot just as often as the big city guys, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic where. I think because the small town guys maybe give people more of the benefit of the doubt. Then like when you roll up and I know, you know what I'm talking about? Cause it sounds like Nashville is a lot like where I came from. Like there's a fucking way you handle business. And like, that's mm-hmm. the expectation and everybody handles business the same way. It doesn't matter who they are. You know, everybody yep. gets handcuffed in the back. Every, you know, that kind of thing. We're in a small town. If you know, so-and-so they may let you just fucking handcuff. them. like, ah, I fucked up. And they put their hands out and you handcuff them. Right yep Mm -hmm. yeah it's a thing and i it's one of those things where i I think in a small town if nashville came to cover that call right and nashville did nashville things it wouldn't work in a small town people be like what in tarnation yeah but yeah exactly If the small Mm -hmm. town guys came out to nashville and tried to handle the things the way they did it wouldn't work out so i think you kind of I don't want people to be unsafe and that that's one of the things coming from a, a bigger agency. Like that's that's a hard thing for me to get out of my head is like the way I was taught to do things is. I i think there has to be kind of a happy medium where you can give people the benefit of the doubt, but also be safe in a, in a position where, you know, I've said this before is, you know, be nice to everybody in the room, but have a plan to kill them kind of deal. I think you yeah. need to be able to do that, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's definitely one of the big things with working for a smaller agency at it, stuff, you know, responding to different situations is I, I definitely got really good at talking with people and definitely would have to credit, you know, working for such a small agency is really forcing me to, you know, actually have to talk to people, talk people down and, you know, keep them engaged sometimes until I my backup does show up kind of thing, um, you know, like with suicidal people, for sure, kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just different <laughs> you know, when it's just you as one person there kind of dealing with that situation. Um, Yeah. And and yeah, that really was the biggest thing was learning how to talk with people and it made, it made a huge difference. And there was definitely, you know, a difference going to a place like Nashville where, you know, you'd still, you still always want to like talk to people and that's definitely a big part of it. But it it was kind of interesting, the dynamic being a little different, like people were a little more ready to just kind of like fly off the handle and kind of flip out and, Respond. And I don't know if it's just because there was like so many officers on scene, but it, it seemed like in the smaller, smaller town, it was a little easier to kind of get people to calm down and talk to them kind of thing. You just didn't really have to go hands on as often. And I was really lucky that in the small town, the several times I have had to go like hands on, it was mostly on traffic stops. But there's two times in particular where I had to go hands on with someone. And I was down on like the main highway there, like going through the center of town. And there just happened to be an off-duty police officer that was like either on their way to work or coming from work at a different agency. And they just happened to be driving by when I was, you know, tussling with a dude and they just hopped out and, you know, kind of helped me kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely the Lord looking out for me for sure. So
1: yeah. So real quick to take a step back, cause I'm terrible at doing interviews, but I wanted to talk about, and we kind of skipped over it, glanced over it is being the chief at this small town agency. Yeah. Would you ever want to do anything like that again? I mean, was it a pain in the ass or was it because it's so small? You're basically one of the guys with just a little bit extra duties.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It, oh man. It, it definitely opened up the perspective of, you know, man, being a chief is it's, <laughs> it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's definitely a lot of work and a, a lot of responsibility, you know, at that small agency there, you know, we, we were able to pursue, I mean, you know, technically on the books, it was one of those, like, you know, you shouldn't pursue unless it's a felony, but it was one of those, you know, like if, if you did nothing happened, it was kind of one of those understated like attaboy kind of things. But, you know, once I became the chief, you know, and was, this was like after COVID that this was happening and, you know, like our patrol vehicles were like several years old at that point were falling apart and, you know, we were having to <laughs> Frankenstein, like, a catalytic converter from, like, a stock Ford Expedition and, like, stick it on our Explorer and stuff like that because we couldn't get any catalytic. There was, like, no catalytic converter replacements anywhere in the United States to replace it properly. And, you know, my guys are, like, <laughs> you know wanting to get in pursuits and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. And it's just like, we're backed up on vehicles. We can't afford to like, please don't wreck it. Cause we ain't got no backups. <laughs> you're going to be like on a bicycle here, dude, or on a horse or something. So yeah, it definitely brought some perspective to the whole, you know, you're responsible for everything in that department and, you know, having to be responsible to the city council and explain like, you know, certain things and, you know, like, why are we doing this this way? You know, hey, we need this kind of thing. It, man, I don't know. It, I don't, I don't think that I would go for that. Um, it's kind of funny. The guy that, uh, so when I was working as the interim chief, you know, I applied for it just because, you know, it was going to be better pay. And I'd worked there for so long, you know, I knew everybody and I knew how the department worked and I was willing to put my hat in the ring. Um, And ultimately I ended up going to a different guy who, um, you know, he had a total of 20 years in law enforcement kind of thing. And, you know, he was looking at it as his retirement job kind of thing. And I was friends with him and um, you know, once he came over, you know, he was just kind of like, Oh dang, I didn't know it was going to be this much work because at a small agency, yeah, you're one of the guys. So you can't just sit there, you know, up in the office, you know, doing all the admin stuff and call it good. You know, like if someone calls in sick, kind of thing i mean that's an entire shift that's down and if none of the other guys are available or if they're overworked or they can't come in i mean that's on you dude you you got to go and cover that shift kind of thing so you combine all the admin stuff on top of you know getting out there and you know having to do some patrolling investigating and all that stuff you know it it can end up being a lot that's a lot of hours you end up putting in and a lot of work and headache so yeah
1: yeah i uh i think You know, I do a lot of shitting on admin and fair or not. No, it's fair. Fuck admin. But I think there are some people, you know, the good administrators out there. I think there's some people that are just really good at it and can kind of transfer over from being a cop. I know for me, you know, I did that type of work before. I don't want to do it again. I I like being a cop. And if I ever went back, I don't think beyond maybe like sergeant or something like that, I wouldn't want to move up beyond that. I you know, you don't fucking join to be a pencil pusher and have to, you know, do all that shit. Fuck that shit, man. Somebody else can do yeah. that shit. And then I'll I'll make yeah. fun of them for doing that shit. Yeah. Now, the,
0: the biggest thing of it was just the, you know, all of a sudden you're like, you are the go-to guy for everybody else. All the, the civilians, all the council, the city council and all that stuff. You know, like if there's a complaint about, you know, one of your officers in the department, it ultimately falls on you as the chief kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It can be a lot. And there's just, and of course there's so much bullshit that gets, you know, complained about too. You're having to sift through all that. You're having to sift through all these people that are just like, you know, we got the speeders down on, you know, our little street here kind of thing. What are y'all going to do about that kind of thing? It's just like, well, (laughs) honestly, if that's the worst problems that we're having in our little tiny town, that's a good thing. So, but you know, you can't say that to these people, (laughs) you gotta, you know, dog them, going be off. Oh, yes, ma'am. No, we'll, we'll see what we can do to get on it kind of thing. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. There's definitely a lot more to it. And I'm the same way. I mean, it's, I, you know, I've definitely shit on admin before and, you know, have my things to say about it and still have my things to say about it. But, you know, ultimately, you know, being, being the head honcho at the very top, you, I mean, it ultimately all, Falls on your shoulders, kind of thing, when it's all said and done, and that's that's a heavy that's a heavy thing to be carrying on your shoulders for sure.
1: You mentioned in uh, and again, I'm a terrible podcaster, so we're going to go back and forth. Tell us about your ethics class in your academy in Nashville.
0: Oh yes, oh yeah, that was glorious. Yeah, so they uh, at the time uh, the mayor Megan Berry. Uh, Came in and did a short ethics class for us, you know, and apparently before she was a mayor, she was like some sort of like ethics uh, consultant for like tons of businesses and corporations that was like her thing. So that's why she was uh, doing that class for us, you know, and it was your run of the mill ethics class of, you know, being ethical at work, you know don't take bribes, you know, understanding the dynamics of all that stuff. It's just one of those like common sense things. Honestly, I didn't even listen to it because it's just, you know, if you're a good person, you don't even need to like be going through this, but whatever. So she's, she taught that ethics class and then it comes out a month later, (laughs) she ends up getting arrested for embezzlement. So what, uh, what ended up happening with that was, is that, uh, being the mayor and whatnot she had a protective detail from the nashville uh, police department there uh, a sergeant and several officers that basically their whole job was to do you know vip protection kind of like i guess like what the secret service does for the president that's what they were doing for the mayor kind of thing um and then apparently she was having an affair she's married and she was having an affair with this married sergeant the supervisor of the vip detail that <laughs> was in charge of her. And, uh, they would, uh, take these lavish vacations over to like Italy and stuff like that on the city's dime, you know, in the name of work, but actually it was their little getaways and all that wonderful jazz. And of course, you know, the city ended up finding out about it, <laughs> they ended up charging her and that sergeant, uh, with embezzlement and, uh, you know, both getting removed from their particular areas of uh, office. He ended he resigned, you know, in lieu of this, he saw this coming kind of thing. So he resigned um, to avoid, you know, any sort of internal affairs investigation into him. But, uh, but karma striked back there because his wife uh, divorced him and then like sued him for like half of his pension or something like that. Um, But yeah, it, it was just, it was just absolutely grand that she, she taught our ethics class. And then like a month later is getting arrested for embezzlement. That was just, oh, that was just so glorious.
1: <laughs> Those type of classes always kind of crack me up. I would just assume, you know, you're entrusted with a badge and a gun. You've been hired by a police department. You don't need to be taught. I don't know. i. It's one hundred percent just weird covering to me, right? the
0: city. Yeah, it's one hundred percent just it's it's for sh- it's a dog and pony show at that point. That's just to like show all these other outside places, hey, we're doing this. You no, know, oh oh yeah, I forgot to mention. So yeah, so
1: Nashville, they're Kalia, um as well. Oh, Your favorite little musician. You fucking there. said it, Kalia. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Kalia, worthless organization. Fuck yeah. you, Kalia. Fuck you. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it Again, a lot
0: of that was just dog and pony show is what that is. And and I hate to say it, that's how a lot of things were. I mean, th- like I said, the training was super good there, but there was definitely a lot of things that got there too that you could tell was just like a check in the box kind of thing just to say, yep, eh, we did it kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, it's like the, the racist the 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 class is like, oh, yeah. I went to this racist class. I'm no longer racist. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. it, and, and I'm as, not... I'm not beyond having like a critical discussion and occasionally you might be like, okay, you know what? That's something I didn't think of. I'll I'll put that in my mind, but these like real dumb, dumb, like this could be racist or this is racist. And it's like, we can't fucking say anything to anybody anymore. You can't be critical of anybody. That's why we're a bunch of fucking pansies and uh, fuck damn it. Negative again.
0: (laughs) uh that you know that kind of brought up that it's not something that you know we talked about beforehand or anything like that but uh so, i mean that was one other little thing so i'll bring that up about that little small town stuff uh in texas the particular area i'm at so uh, so shortly after i got on at that small agency um i got a little letter that was delivered by someone in the community you know it was addressed to me and uh you know my my supervisors were like hey you know someone came to drop this off for you he hands it to me and i fucking open it up and it was a uh it was a recruitment letter from the local ku klux Klan. uh
1: what the and, fuck
0: yeah no shit i was just like i, I was like what the fuck I, I didn't even know the ku klux klan still you know fucking existed but apparently they did and they found out that i was the new guy at the pd so they,
1: they were
0: feeling me out there i was just like what in the fuck, the fuck? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean, yeah, did your so,
1: supervisor know what that was handing it to you?
0: He found out after I opened it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. That's for sure. I was just like, what in the fuck?
1: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I definitely did not grow up that like that. Uh, you know, I was adopted, me and my three other brothers were all adopted and two of them are black kind of thing. So, I mean, we did not grow up like that. <laughs>
1: Wait a <laughs> second. Just, very Aren't all strange. Texans? Ra- Hold on, all Texans are racist, right? They all <laughs> have one nah. hand on the Bible, one hand on their AK 47s. <laughs> uh, no, 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 they're
0: definitely not all racist, but they there definitely are some of them, you know, that they're still around. That's for damn sure. So but it's not like it's definitely not like people want to portray it to be and of course you know there'll be someone listening just ah, oh, he said it they're still around no it's it's not like it used to be that's that's for damn sure they, they fucking slink in the shadows you know they send you them little letters like that you know just kind of like drop them off in the PD shove them under the door to recruit you kind of thing they don't come walking up in their white robes you know being like hey join us yeah
1: that is I, I mean I'm just going to play it again because what yeah yeah I, yeah, I think you'd be ignorant to say there's not like true racists out there, Mm-mm. but like it's like it's like four or five guys, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's not
1: like it used to be. Yeah. I almost made a joke where you said they like slink in their shadows and stuff. I was like, yeah, they, they run for Democrat, but I'm gonna leave it I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I said it. Shit, yeah, <laughs> it's there. It's there. Um, uh, but they switched parties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's. Who tries to control groups? I don't know. Um, Anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, on that note, (laughs) let's see. I uh, offended Democrats on this one, and last week I offended, or a couple weeks ago, street cops. So what? Let's see what else I can knock out of the park. Um, kiss some people off left and right. Okay. Hey, I hate Republicans too. Be independent, yeah man.
0: Fuck these people.
1: You know you can't
0: make you can't make everyone happy but you can make everyone mad.
1: And that is my goal here at the poorly made boss police podcast is to offend everyone in some way. There you go. Because we're all wrong about something or everything. I know I'm wrong about stuff. I don't know what, but I'm sure I'm wrong (laughs) about something. Oh, okay, yeah. that I'm sounded right a me. lot worse. That sounded a lot worse than <laughs> intended. I, I try to be open minded. That's all I'm saying. I'm not perfect. There you go. I'm not perfect, but um there's you know what the problem is with people like me that I I obviously I lean towards the right, but I, I consider myself independent. Um is we like we will pick out the worst thing of all of the parties instead of like the good things that they do. And so like we're that guy. You know, like as much as I try to say, like I try and focus on, I don't never say that, but I mean, I try to stay focused on positive things and be objective. You know, I'm just as guilty as everybody else is, is picking out like the worst of the worst and and saying, well, that's that entire group when it's not, you know, whatever it is, it's not entirely true. We're all shit bad in in some aspect.
0: Yep. Yep. We're all just doing the best we can.
1: You know what? We need to do better. Group hug. We're gonna we're gonna have a group hug in the center of America we'll all just fucking hug it out everybody comes together and it'll solve all our problems and we can you know stop making problems for our, ourselves and that's not gonna work <laughs> but it might I don't know group hug fumbaya it, it always works. I
0: don't I don't think we've tried it yet
1: we really haven't.
0: I mean, yeah. like they used
1: to do. What did they do in the '80s? They had like the, all the bands come together and do like the "We Are the World" or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think what the center of continental U.S. is somewhere in Kansas, and I think they argue over where it actually is because, so you know, we gotta we gotta get it right, or somebody wants. But, to be and that's and wherever. that's gonna be what
0: and that's gonna be what prevents this whole thing is everyone's gonna be yeah. arguing about where the center of the U.S. is. So Yeah,
1: we're gonna we're gonna pick a day. We're all gonna drive down there. We're all going to shake hands. We're going to have barbecue. We're going to have this or that. And we're just going to say, all right, we all got our problems. Water under the bridge. Let's fucking, let's move on. And then somebody would be like, Hey, so what are we doing about abortion? And then the world war three will start in the yep. middle of Kansas <laughs> Yep. and it'll be like nothing ever happened. So yeah. There you're right. you go. Yep. <laughs> you want to go down a rabbit hole? Sure. Yeah, let's Before do it. Some questions. Cause this came up today in a, a conversation with my, one of my buddies is, They were telling me they had heard that, you know, I grew up and I assume you grew up the same way as um, we're all equal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Did you know that's not cool anymore? To say we're all equal is also racist, I have been told. And that we're all different. Yeah. We're like, I thought the way we were, we grew up is like, hey, we all have our differences, but we're all like, we're all created equal kind of thing. And um, you can't, apparently, that's one of those things coming up now is like, that's a bad thing to say is, is we're all, all equal. And oh, they're I'm, trying to do
0: the whole, like, there's some people that are, like, you know, set off better than other people. And other people just don't, you know, don't have as good of a shot at life because of their circumstances. Is that why they're saying that?
1: I don't know. But I'm, like, a big believer. If you – I don't know. We're going to go into Star Wars rant here, too. Because I, I, I kind of – I don't know if this was on purpose in Star Wars, but they kind of talk about, like, the Force – works on the weak-minded well i think that the quote-unquote victimhood stuff works on the weak-minded right like if if you're told like hey we're all created equally but then somebody says well but you know your parents didn't give you this or that when you grew up or whatever or you you were born here and you were born there and then you start kind of like you're you kind of especially an impressionable person you basically start telling them like the world's against them like that's the way that's going to be received yeah, and mm-hmm. I think fewer people. Like, sorry, not everyone's going to be um, Elon Musk, right? Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's all dependent on how hard you work. And honestly, sometimes you may work your ass off and you may not get where you want to go. We can't all be superstars, yeah. but I I do believe, yeah, exactly, that we all can. We all have the same abilities, right? If we choose to use them. Well, not the same. Like, we're all better at different things i think is a thing but we all have no i I I totally get what you're
0: saying yeah yeah,
1: we internally we we all can we can be what the most we can be right and Mm -hmm. we start just telling people all this shit and and i mean the the avenue i was going to go down is we're basically resegregating ourselves right yeah you all have to be part of a group i ain't part Mm -hmm. of any group because i fucking hate all you motherfuckers i don't want to be part of any group like That's a lie. I want to be your friend. Let's hug it out in Kansas. But you know what I'm saying though? is like, what can we just fucking stop this shit? Like I get addressing everybody as an individual and all this shit, but like, can we just stop this fucking shit of I'm this or that? And I belong to this group. Didn't we fucking fight against that? Why are we fucking doing that? It's insane to me.
0: Yeah. No. And that's one of the things, honestly, that's, Pretty cool about you know living and working in you know one of these smaller rural places in texas is you know you kind of have to rely on your neighbor kind of thing and everybody you know is more on the poor side kind of life i mean it, it's interesting like you know the kids like in the that small town that i was working at like most of them aren't growing up with ipads and you know fancy phones and stuff like that just simply because their families can't afford them so like you see kids riding bikes and playing down the street like you would you know, back in the nineties kind of thing, just simply because they don't have that stuff. But I mean, honestly, they're just as happy as anybody else kind of thing. I mean, they're just living life and just, you know, trucking away with what they got. And I mean, they're, they're happy kind of thing. Sure. You know, they probably like to have some nicer stuff and it would be nicer, you know, to have a little nicer house, a little more money for nicer food and all that, or whatever. But I mean, it's like you say, it's all what you make of it. And, you know, people in a small community like that, just having to rely on each other and you know having to go through everything together it really does make a difference and you know just having that kind of perspective i think is really good too
1: you know and you know people say well money doesn't buy happiness i i will disagree for uh, to a certain extent like dude, you got a lot of money you can do a lot of fucking fun shit but i also see it on the same hand as again it's it's what you make of it is yeah you know if you're If you're like, well, I want all this stuff, I can't have it, and then you sit in your fucking room and you mope, or you get out and you fucking ride your bike. I mean, yep, the best Mm -hmm. times of my life were riding my bike around with my friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I mean the the other saying, you know, is more money, more problems. So I mean, there's always another side of the to the coin,
1: you know. And that that's something we don't talk about. I don't, you know, I got a friend that he's always been kind of well off, more well off than any of us were. And he bitches and complains as much as we do. We all have problems, you know, and I don't like this whole idea of like, well, your problems aren't really problems. Well, they're problems to him, Mm -hmm. you know, like which Mercedes should I buy? Yeah, that's not a problem I would have, but it's a problem for Mm him. We all have our own problems. Start stop problem shaming, I guess. Yeah. Although that directly contradicts what I just said earlier about um, (laughs) other things. (laughs) but you know know, the point i'm trying to make though is you know just yeah i think everybody should just fuck off and stop worrying about other people that would be that would be the number the number one thing is like stop looking at what somebody else has in their fucking house the stop coveting other people's shit like you have what you have if you want something better go out and fucking get it
0: yep and that and that applies to all all you non-cop people listening that want to complain about your neighbor's tree branch like being in your yard do not fucking call the cops for that anymore you need to stop that shit mind your business (laughs)
1: Triggered. <laughs> well, now that I'm done ranting and raving, do you want to do some of the dumb questions I have?
0: Sure, we can do that.
1: Well, before I do that, is there anything else? Because I know you know what's coming with the dumb questions. Is there anything else I didn't ask about that you want to talk about?
0: Oh, I wrote some stuff down. Let me see if there's anything, anything good here. Oh, yeah. So you were asking someone. I don't remember which one it was but oh boy I can't believe I'm bringing this up but we're talking about like you know seeing like you know like dicks on duty or something like that seeing naked people on duty or something like that yeah so one of one of the joys of being a jailer um is you got to do shakedowns and there was one night that a pair of scissors went missing in the med bay so of course that means that we had to do a shakedown of the entire fucking jail and the one that I worked at wasn't exactly super small i mean there was over 600 plus inmates in just the one facility i worked at and my shift got tasked with doing the shakedown and of course you know we were doing the men's side of things and <laughs> it was funny like after work that morning like we're, we're all standing outside and i'm talking with one of the patrol deputies and i i was just like you know what i just saw over 600 different penises in one evening and he was just like, "How's that make you feel? And I'm just like, I don't know, man, I I need to go take a shower. This is a horrible night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All the, the unsung, uh, the unglorifying stuff that you have to deal with in the
1: jail there. There's a guy that I'm trying to get on the podcast, but, and I don't know if we'll end up talking about this and he knows exactly who he is. If he listens to this, but he was like, dude, the stories I could tell you about penises. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. big and small around yep. the
0: world I definitely saw my biggest and uh, my smallest one there on that night so yep
1: <laughs> <laughs> you walk in and be like holy fucking shit
0: <laughs> dude okay it was kind of funny like so we got we were doing this this one tank it had like uh 48 people in it because like 50 was the max to where you had to have like someone actually like there all the time so there was we were having to go through 48 guys there. And there, I noticed that there was this one guy that kept like hanging out, like in the back, he kept like working his way to the end of the line. And then he was the very last person. And then, you know, when he took his clothes off, I understood why that poor, poor dude had the smallest penis I'd ever seen kind of thing.
1: And I was in that jail. jail.
0: (laughs) Man. Yeah. I, I felt bad for him. I was just like, Oh, I see why you waited. To last now. I I get
1: it. You're good, man. (laughs) Well, I guess we gotta probably do something for him. Yeah. There we go.
0: Yeah. This is for you, small peen dude.
1: Spend all your time waiting. God, I have played this song on like almost every podcast recently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you really have. Yep. (laughs) I've abused the shit out of it. And I have, at this point, I have like six or seven that are already done in the queue. And I'm pretty sure a lot of them have it too. So I've abused the shit out of that one for a while. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) On that note, you ready for some dumb questions?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Would you do it again? Would you be a cop again? If you had to start all over?
0: I would. Yeah, and... I don't know. I, I don't know if this is how it was for you, um, but it it definitely is a calling kind of thing. I I mean, there's, there's no logical reason why I should want to do this or keep doing it, um, but I enjoy it. I really do. I, I enjoy the Honestly, the moments that really make it is not the whole like taking people to jail and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's those few moments where you're like actually genuinely helping someone that's going through a crisis that really does make it. Kind of thing and you know we get to an opportunity to do that on a on a regular basis that a lot of other people just are not able to get you know get an opportunity to do that and plus just the random shit that you see in law enforcement it's it's pretty epic it's i mean they make tv shows and movies and they're still popular to this day even though everyone hates cops kind of thing because of how epic this job is so it, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity kind of thing and i don't know it just it's in the DNA, I guess.
1: Yeah, you're fucking right about that. You know, and I meant to talk about this, but we moved on from it. But you mentioned something that I, I thought was really phenomenal is taking a break and taking that time off. I wish yeah. practically there was a way for guys to do that.
0: But, yeah. You know, you'll take a Absolutely. week off,
1: you'll have a vacation, you know, whatever, whatever. It, and i don't think it would have necessarily saved me from where i was at like ultimately i'm really happy about the way things moved out or moved on or yeah words you know what i'm saying words i'm saying yeah I, i'm i'm glad how things worked out for me i think it worked out really well for me but you're absolutely right dude it is in the fucking dna and it's definitely one of those things where i I don't want to say I feel like less of a man, but I I feel like I'm going to waste because I know not to like toot my own horn, but like, I think I was okay at it. I wasn't the greatest cop ever and I never would be, but I felt like I was pretty okay at it and I should be out there, you know, like, I know a lot of people really like this podcast, um, but I'm not Joe Rogan, man. I can't say other, I can barely speak. I don't have a good radio voice, you know. I hate to even bring this up again because it kind of went away. But somebody said I sounded like McLovin. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh am gonna have to edit that <laughs> shit out. But I, it's it's cool that I've had the ability to do this, and you know, I'm not. This isn't like me quitting or anything like that. But I just know that, like, I'm not a great podcaster. I know I'm a lot better cop than I am a podcaster. I guess is the best way I can put it. And this has been a really cool thing to do. And, you know, however long this lasts, I'll be able to say, like, I fucking did this for however long I did it. And we had a good time. And I talked to a lot of fucking awesome people like this. This is fucking awesome. But at the same hand, like, I know a lot of I I know a ton of people that left around the same time I left that are fucking going back. Yeah,
0: -hmm. Yeah, because
1: it's just it's in our blood. You, you get, kind of get hooked, and there's there's nothing like it. There's no other job on the planet where you get paid to do what you get to do. And, yeah, is there some shitty things that you have to deal with? You know, Do you got to look at 60 men's penises in a night or 600 men's penises? It may happen to you. Um, you might go to some gnarly dead guys. You might see some fucking god-awful things that will fuck with you your entire life. But there's that payoff. Yeah, you know that that high you're chasing, I guess, and there's there's nothing like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's kind of interesting. The the agency that I'm at now, they used to have a program um, where if you when you were on patrol, you could actually do like a six month tour, um, like in in another specialized unit, like an investigation somewhere. So, like property crimes, you could go over there and just work there for six months. It wouldn't be like a permanent assignment or something like that, but you could go back there and just do that for six months. And I thought that they they can't do it now just because of staffing. I mean, we're you know facing the same issues as everybody else, but I thought that was a phenomenal idea. You know, was letting people go back there, you kind of get them off the street, take a break from the patrol side of things, and at the same time, they're learning some skills and whatnot that they can take back with them to the streets that will ultimately just benefit everyone on a whole kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if something like that, it'd just be cool if more departments could do something like that or yeah, something.
1: Well, the, the hiring and I, I don't know, man, I just, I don't know if that's ever going to get better unless nationally there's some real incentive for people to be cops. Cause I think, yeah, I think we've lost a whole generation of people, that would have been interested in law enforcement. I think there's going to be a big gap because yeah, totally. Even out here, I think they're struggling to get people where they wouldn't necessarily struggle because people wanted to do it. And you know, where Mm -hmm. the job is alive and well still like people, people see what's in the news and say, well, fuck that shit. I'm not going to fucking do that. Fuck that.
0: No, it's funny. So the agency I'm working at now, it was actually the agency I wanted to work for in the first place. But back then, that would have been back in 2010. Back then, they would have two positions that would open up and they'd have over 200 people applying for those two positions. And then, I mean, nowadays, we're just like anybody else. You know, we have like a bunch of positions open and we're lucky if we can get, you know, 20 people to even pass a test, you know, to come in and interview
1: yep it's uh it was kind of foreseen by a lot of people not just me yeah. of this whole idea of we're actually going to get bad cops now because people are getting hired that wouldn't have got hired 10 years ago sure yeah memphis
0: memphis yeah.
1: <laughs> excuse me right
0: Something yeah and it's funny thing. to see like you know tattoo policies changing now so So I ended up getting tattoos like after I became a cop and I'm like fully sleeved out kind of thing. But it it was funny. Yeah. Like when I went to Nashville, you know, like I had a a ring tattoo, you know, you know, my wedding ring tattooed back then, you know, like I had to have it covered kind of thing when I joined. And by the time I left, they were like fine with like ring tattoos and neck tattoos and all that stuff. It's just funny how like quickly things would change like that.
1: How did you fucking cover that with like a band aid or something or what? No, I just wore like uh, one of those Quaylo rings. I just wore it over oh, that. Okay, so yeah, I'm an idiot. Dude. That makes sense. You're not an idiot. You are just poorly made. No, I'm 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 an idiot. It's
0: true.
1: <laughs> airhead. But yeah, I mean, it's airhead. just funny
0: how like it's just funny how like quickly that stuff changed. You know, just being there kind of thing, just because they needed more applicants and whatnot.
1: Well, you know, if you have a tattoo, that automatically means you're a bad cop, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. What is the dumbest thing you did as a rookie? Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I'll, so I I consider this dumb. This is probably more embarrassing is more what it was kind of thing. Um, I definitely did some dumb stuff, but this one just kind of sticks out is like more embarrassing and whatnot. So I, there was this one particular problem child in that small agency of ours that this this young lady who was like, 19 or 20 years old like I just constantly like she can get higher on her dope and then she start breaking into houses with her friends and doing all this stupid stuff just an absolute thorn in the side kind of thing so we ended up getting a warrant for her arrest kind of thing and uh it was just a class c uh i can't remember it was some stupid like you know suspended license like ticket warrant or something like that back when we could actually take people to jail for that stuff but you know it was at least going to kind of help alleviate some of the problem for the night so she lived out in the county so i go out there you know and i go up to her dad's trailer where she's living at you know you know he invites me inside kind of thing and i'm just like so i'm here because your daughter has a warrant for arrest and he's just like what bullshit kind of thing and she's sitting there she knows exactly what i'm talking about kind of thing so she's you know doing the whole pie eye thing and whatnot knows exactly what's happening and whatnot. And he's like, nah, man, like she, you're just making this up kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, sir, I got the warrant with me kind of thing. He's like, well, let me see it then. So I'm like, all right, I'll fucking show it to you. So, you know, I go out to my patrol car and you know, this is out in the country. So it's got one of them nice little gravel roads that, you know, it's got all the little potholes in it and all that shit. And uh, so I go to my patrol car and as I'm like pulling the door open, I step in this pothole and I end up smashing my face right on the side of the door, <laughs> like the edge of the door. And uh, I'm just kind of, oh, shit, ouch, that hurt kind of thing. So I <laughs> I grabbed that warrant and I walked back inside, not realizing that I got like a big old cut on my eyebrow. So I like come walking in with blood dripping down my face, apparently. And I'm just like, here's that warrant. The guy's just looking at me like, dude, you all right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I just smacked my head. And then I wipe my head and I see, oh, shit, that's a lot of blood and uh man he he was such a nice dude he like went he got his first aid kit brought it out <laughs> was, like sitting there patching me up and then i fucking <laughs> arrest his daughter on that warrant <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> like, thanks awesome. for the badges dude all right turn up put your hands down your back sunshine i'm going to jail <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely one of those looking back like man ugh, that
1: that's kind of embarrassing <laughs> that's that's fucking amazing what's your uh what's your favorite dead guy story
0: Oh boy, yeah. So that's going to be in Nashville for sure. So, uh, so I, I mean, I'd had some dead body stuff where like I show up on scene and you know like someone died like right then and there. But I'd never had like one of those nice old like several week old dead body kind of things. Um, so we get a call for one while I'm in training, and I I tell my FTO I was like, you know, hey, I've never worked a you know like hey, we found a dead body. Kind of scene, so I kind of like to experience that or whatever. So he's like, "Okay, yeah, we can take primary on that." So we look at the call notes, and it's uh, it's at this like high rise. Uh, I guess it would be like a retirement home. It wasn't a nursing home, and it wasn't quite an assisted living place, but it was definitely for like older disabled folks kind of thing. And uh, the woman that called it in said, it, like in the call notes, it said, you know, woman thinks her neighbor might be dead. Uh, there are maggots crawling through the wall into her apartment uh, from that side yeah and it was just like oh boy yeah that's that good so we get in the elevator and we go up and as soon as that door opened that floor like you could smell it it was just like oh yeah yep yeah, somebody somebody dead here so so we go over to uh we So we talked to her first kind of thing and she's like yeah about a week ago i started smelling this really bad smell from next door and i called maintenance about it and i guess they never did anything about it and then today i noticed that there was maggots crawling through the wall over to my my apartment (laughs) i was just like oh shit. so yeah we go we open the door and homeboy was like melted into his chair and uh so the last three days right before we got called they had turned off the ac Um, Because they were doing some maintenance on it Yeah, So, and and he'd been dead For like at least two and a half weeks And this was in the middle of July In Nashville, and it was nice and warm Oh yeah Oh, 100% Yeah, he'd already Yeah, he'd burst and everything And like his entire face Was just covered in maggots Kind of thing, and it was weird Like looking from the door when I first looked in It looked like his face was like Moving around, but it was it was just simply because his, like, face was just covered with maggots. And, uh oh, yeah, that smell was just absolutely horrendous. Uh So soupy. Disgusting. Yeah. I've never been able to look at beef broth the same way again.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> regretting that I asked. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was it
0: was bad. And then it was funny, too, because, you know, you know, me being the new guy kind of thing, you know, they kind of had to mess with me a little bit. So like the medical examiner, you know, came in and dude hats off to those medical examiners like this woman, she comes waltzing in, like not covering her face, nothing, acting like it's another day at work kind of thing, you know, and I'm over there like dry, even. You know in the corner kind of thing and then she you know she's doing all of her like checking the body out which that that doesn't get i don't get that it's like it's obviously a dead person why are we have to move shit around and then she's like hey i'm gonna need you to come help me like move this guy and like flip him over and i'm like are you serious uh... she's like yep and i'm like uh I'm, I'm i'm telling you this right now i'll do it but i'm gonna throw up all over this dude kind of thing if we do that and then they told me that they were just messing with me that we didn't have to do that and that i was never so grateful Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That one was bad.
1: The next thing I got for you, and uh, you can choose how you answer it either something you wish you knew as a young man that you know now, non law enforcement, or what is something you wish you learned in training that you learned out on the streets on your own?
0: Oh, good question. Oh, man. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think it's been said before, but honestly, just the whole you're not going to be able to save the world kind of thing. And when I first started, you know, I was young. Um, I was like 22, 23 when I first started and everything. And, you know, you come at it bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. You know, you're ready to save the world, and, you know, put bad guys in jail, make a difference and all that. And, you know, especially like dealing with some of those same people over and over and over again and whatnot, you know, I just there, – there was a little – time there where i kind of would take stuff personally and whatnot and i just had to learn you know like man you know you just do the best you can kind of thing take the good things uh, those good moments and hold on to those and those other ones you gotta just kind of let them go kind of thing um kind of wish i would have learned that a little sooner because i don't know i took some stuff from the job a little personal kind of thing i think that's partly you know why i burnt out a little bit too was just taking everything a little too personally um but, you know, obviously, I got over that kind of thing. But the sooner you learn that, the better your riding law enforcement is going to be. That's for sure.
1: Yep. If uh, you can grow some thick skin, you're going to have a pretty good career, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: What is uh, the proudest moment of your career? Ooh, proudest moment. Oh, man. Yeah. I guess,
0: I guess I'd guess i have to say this last Christmas, we, uh, we worked a uh, drive-by shooting. Uh, you know, some gang members were having their little feud thing. And on Christmas morning at like three in the morning, they came by and shot this house up and uh, inadvertently ended up hitting an 11 year old girl inside. Uh, She was shot through both legs kind of thing. And I was the second officer on scene and uh, first officer got a tourniquet on, on one side and I got one on the other side. Um, And I, I didn't realize this at the time, but I guess apparently, it ultimately ended up saving her life. I just found out about that more recently kind of thing. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Just that—that's definitely a really cool kind of thing when you know you can uh, respond to a situation like that, and uh, yeah, actually be able to save someone's life. That's 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 a pretty good feeling
1: right there. That's for damn sure. So that's awesome, man. I yeah. think uh, you know what I think you deserve. I think you deserve all three. Well, hot dog, that's real sweet of you, man. You really like saying hot dog, by the way. I do. I have I said that a whole bunch. I didn't even realize it a ton
0: we should bring it back man more people need to say that
1: oh hot dog i just think of mickey mouse
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i didn't even think about that till you just did that oh man you're right (laughs) i gotta be honest
1: man i fucking if you have little kids and you know they watch the mickey mouse clubhouse i love the hot dog song man i get all excited and start dancing and stuff too it's great
0: uh dude oh man i went through a three-day stretch this last week where i had the spongebob theme stuck in my head just because my kids were watching it so yeah i totally get it
1: yeah mike my kid's really into paw patrol right now we're we're really hitting the paw patrol pretty hard
0: yeah okay yeah
1: yeah it's octonauts for my kid oh octonauts is good i like octonauts Mm -hmm. it's almost educational too it is yep uh let's see would you want your kids to be law enforcement speaking of kids
0: Yeah. uh, Good question. So on my end of things, uh, that's man, that's such a hard question because who knows where it's going to be, you know, at the time where they'd be old enough to get into it. Man, I don't know. Honestly, I really don't. I mean, if it's a column for them, if they got it in their DNA, you know, like I do, I ain't going to be able to stop them kind of thing and, you know, go for it kind of thing. But would I just be recommending it to people right and left? I don't know. I don't think I would, honestly. Um, if that's ultimately what they decided to do, you know, I'd, you know, thumbs up kind of thing. But, you know, if there's something else that they could do, I'd probably, you know, prefer that they, you know, went that route kind of thing, which I don't think I got to worry about. So my five year old son, but, you know, he's just like any other really little kid, you know, he wanted to be a cop for the longest time because, you know, just because I was. But apparently the other day, he was talking to my wife, <laughs> and he's like, uh, "He's like, hey, I, I want to be a firefighter." And my wife was like, "You to I thought you wanted to be a cop." And he's like, "Yeah, well, but cops, they they have to make really, really tough decisions. It's really hard, and lots of people don't like them. So, but being a firefighter, it sounds a lot easier. So, I think I want to be a firefighter. So." <laughs> So, yeah. So he, he's already thinking like that. I don't think I really have anything to worry about. He's, he's already five years old thinking that way. You know, I, I think he'll be all right.
1: So just just make sure he goes into it knowing how to cook a good chili so we can win the chili cook off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I told my wife too. I was like, I don't I don't care if my son becomes a firefighter. I'm going to relentlessly tease him for the rest of his life because that. I'll always love him and be proud of him, but man, I'll, I'll definitely tease him about that. It's been kind of one of my uh, my my. I know this probably would never work out, but it's always been kind of one of my things that I I want to get like one of those firefighter calendars and have that up like in my at my desk at the patrol room kind of thing, just to like you know throw shade that way. I think that'd be pretty epic. <laughs>
1: um. Ghost or alien stories? You got any stories, or theories, or thoughts, or whatever? Oof.
0: No, I, I don't think I've ever run into any ghost or alien stuff while on duty. So, or off well, duty. I mean,
1: you work in Texas, but it, probably a different type of alien.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely a different type of alien. Yep, yep, definitely different.
1: Are you yeah, uh, I mean, are you far enough from the border where that's not really a deal or? This kind of is what it is. Yeah, I'm not close enough to the border where, you
0: know, I'm having to deal with that on the regular. But, I mean, we definitely, like, run into those kind of people. um, Yeah, up where I'm at. So, I'm far enough away. Yeah, I'm pretty far from the border. But, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're a cop in Texas, you you pretty much need to know how to do a little bit of Spanish kind of thing just to get through your day. It was kind of funny, yeah, like when we went through the, the Nashville Police Academy course, you know, we had to do like a week of Spanish, and uh, I was the class leader there, so I got called, and you know, I had to go to the, the instructors like at every break and stuff like that, and at the end of that course, you know, I, I go in, and I'm doing my whole little stupid spiel I had to do of, you know, sir, permission to enter, sir, whatever kind of thing, walked in, and you know, the instructor wanted to mess with me about it, and just be like, so did you learn anything? You know, to me, and I was just like, you know, sir, yes, sir, and he's like, all right, do a traffic stop in Spanish then. And, and it wasn't because of the course there, but it's because in Texas I had to do that. So yeah, I ran a with traffic stop in Spanish. They're just like, what? Oh. <laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of got to do it to survive around here. That's for sure.
1: I, I ran that. I ran into that quite a bit where I was working. And uh, man, I just, I can barely speak English. I had a hard time even with real basic Spanish you know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i don't know i i think you get to a point where like people kind of basically understand where you're getting at and yeah you know everybody mm-hmm. has a fucking phone google translate works or you know call a language line or whatever it's helpful but yeah i am yeah. an idiot like most people once you kind of figure out you know that little couple things you need to learn for a traffic stop they can get through it but i'm always like let's see i remember licencia, but then i don't remember you know Registration and insurance, I was up here. Give us a lesson. How do you say, uh, may I see your driver's license, registration, and insurance in Spanish?
0: Yeah, so, so we don't ask for registration in Texas because you don't need to carry that around you, but uh, you know, you'd say, Quiero ver su licencia, uh, y seguro del vehículo would be, you know, can I see your license and insurance for the vehicle?
1: There you go. So, we did something yeah. educational today.
0: There you go. Yeah. It's real funny too. Like you know, some of the you know these these Texans, you know, that never have learned to lick a Spanish, and then you know go to the police academy having to learn. Some, it, it was kind of fun listening to <laughs> listening to them and you know just doing it with their Texas accent. You know, like su... Manos on the cabeza, yeah, La Censia, y del del carro. yeah. And they'll One talk to the, people like that out on the streets too. It's it's pretty funny. Like you you sitting there like watching those people with the wheels turning, like trying to process what this guy's saying. They're like, "Wow, that's a heavy accent."
1: <laughs> One of the uh, my favorite officer Daniel's vines from back in the day, which I'm I'm dating myself, was the uh, Nilo on the groundo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, man, those original uh, Vines that were coming
0: out back in the day, man, those were some of the best, most glorious clips of law enforcement ever.
1: Dude, I, I'm telling you, like, the early days with, like, Vine and early fun YouTube before YouTube got not so cheeky and fun, fucking mm-hmm. awesome. There's so much yes. funny shit. And now it's just not, you know, you'll get, like, a viral thing, but it's just not quite the same as it used to be.
0: It's not. It really isn't.
1: You know, I think because of... uh, Oh, I think I closed the tab. We're not going to do it. No more Sarah McLachlan for (laughs) old YouTube. Uh, Let's see here. Good sir, in your humble opinion, what is the best patrol car of all time?
0: Ooh, that's a a good question. So I've had the pleasure of driving everything but the Dodge Durango. And I'll have to say, man, the Crown Vic is the quintessential like law enforcement vehicle. I mean, when you think of a law enforcement vehicle, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now when you think of a like classic patrol vehicle, it's the Crown Vic. You just, you can't beat that. It's like the engine, man, when that that thing's revving up and going, oh, it sounds good. When I, when I first started at my uh, little small town agency, you know, being the new guy, I got the oldest vehicle and the oldest vehicle was a Crown Vic. So and, and we got rid of that thing just simply because, like, it had too many miles on it. It wasn't because that thing, like, died on us. I mean, we, we, like, tried to blow that thing up, but it just wouldn't blow up. So, yeah.
1: All right. So, at this point in the podcast, no one cares about all of the uh, – we've actually – I feel like we've had some intelligent conversations today. Nobody cares about that. No one cares about our takes on shit. They actually do care about takes on shit. I should rephrase that. Good sir. Have you ever shit your pants?
0: Ooh, sadly, yes. There was uh there was one night that I was actually getting ready for work. I had just thrown on my my uniform and all my my vest and my belt and all that stuff and, and I trusted a fart that sadly was not a fart. And uh I I gotta give a hats off to my cheeks there for clenching quick enough to keep it from hitting hitting the clothing, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> that was yeah, that that was not a good feeling. I had to take all my shit off to, you know, get all cleaned up and whatnot. But oof, yeah. So never trust a fart, yo. Never trust a fart.
1: Yeah, you know, and don't be ashamed of it. I know you mentioned you were a little ashamed of it, but it's okay. Man. We're here. You know, I'm, I'm not quite ashamed of
0: it. I'm not ashamed of it, you know, especially hearing, you know, that's the other nice thing about this podcast is that it's opened up, you know, my knowledge base to how many people have actually shit their pants out there. And I think the people that are saying they've never shit their pants are just not being honest about it.
1: No, Um, liars.
0: Yeah. I feel like if anybody,
1: anybody that's been on the podcast that said they didn't shit their pants, I think it instantly hurt their credibility.
0: Yeah, I think so as well.
1: I wonder if yeah. at this point people are making up shit stories because they're like, well, I don't want people to think I'm a liar. <laughs> scripted, it better not be a scripted shit story or I'll be very upset. Right, right. Not that I'll ever know. Well, but we've come to the, uh, I should say partner because you're from Texas. Well, partner, we've come to there the uh, very end of the uh, Poorly Made Police podcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for the millions of listeners out there?
0: Whew, words of wisdom. That's a, that's a tall order right there.
1: Yeah, now just
0: man, those of y'all in law enforcement, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, just don't take things personally, you know. Just if it's your written in your your DNA, you know, keep it up, kind of thing. And then, you know, if you're getting burnt out, don't be afraid to take a break and leave. You know, I left on that break thinking that I was never going to get back in law enforcement, um, and it was like I said, it wasn't until I got out that I realized, you know, hey, I really want to keep doing this kind of thing. But yeah, taking that break, you know, just kind of having that mentality when I left was, you know, I'm, I'm not going back to law enforcement. I'm done with it. And, uh, that man, that did so much for my mental health kind of thing. That was a very good thing for me. So don't be afraid to kind of take that leap if you need to kind of thing. And, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So,
1: yeah. Dude, isn't that a fucking song by, uh, uh, Florida Georgia lion and that chick with the big tits. Oh, wait, you know what's in the country? Yeah, I
0: was going to say, if it's Florida Georgia Line, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, By the
1: way, Florida Georgia Line is like dog shit country. You know, they may have a hook, few hooky little songs, but that, that ain't country music. Fucking Marty Robbins is country music, motherfucker. Exactly.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Well, with that said, you guys know what to do to support this Marty Robbins loving podcast. Take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast, because without them, I wouldn't be able to sit in my dungeon and talk to cops all around the country. Buy some merch. We got some fun shit coming out and uh, coins, patches, all the good stuff. And of course, be the monthly donor. And my Facebook page still exists. I don't know what the hell's going on with Facebook. And maybe it'll be better after this month when this podcast finally comes out. But my Facebook's been shitty lately. So go to Facebook, give it a like, make me feel good. And then uh, share everything with your friends and family members. With that said, remember, Marty Robbins is a national hero. And so is the one man wolf pack. I love most of you. Bye-bye.